gravely disappointed. You plan to take your gasoline out of the wasteland. Welcome to Movie Boaters. What's up, everybody? I see you uh, bubbling up a little bit over there. <laughs> yeah, <And> it's <laughs> dark. <laughs> what are you drinking? Woo. Um, I am drinking uh, King Grackle Barrel Age Stout hmm. from Texas Beer Company. Nice. Uh, this one's going to pack quite the wallop. It is, oh, where did I see it? Oh shit! I lost it. It's like a nine point two. Oh no! Sorry, <laughs> it's eleven percent. Damn, son! Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna have to get two beers to catch up to you. I am drinking from Whoa. the West. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Eleven percent. You be sipping on that one, huh? I'm drinking from the West Fax Brewing Company, a hazy IPA called Full Turbo. Nice. Yeah. See, we, we both have, I mean, one, the ridiculous name, even though it's a bird, but uh, ridiculous name, packs a fucking punch. <laughs> Woo! That's yeah. true. See, like we're going top goal today. And, yeah. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> I'm a little saddened. Because my movie draft is not going very well. <laughs> in terms of ratings? In terms of ratings, yes. <clears throat> I, yeah. I foolishly only drafted Morbius as my only Marvel movie. And because WB beseeched it upon themselves to move the two other superhero movies, I have no more superhero movies this year. I like poor me. I have the Batman. It's made almost seven hundred million dollars. <laughs> poor me. I don't have any more superhero movies. But still, I was like, well, Morbius is a Marvel movie. It should be fine. It should be standard, fair. Fucking four point seven on IMDb. <laughs> oh my god! I didn't. I haven't even looked at the rating. I'm gonna try and see it at some point this weekend just to mm -hmm. see it. Um, you know, it's gonna make a bunch of money. So boo hoo for you. But Probably, maybe I don't know. The <coughs> uh, uh, what's it called? Not IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes did that thing that they do where they don't post the rating until like oh. the day it comes out, and yeah. you always know it's bad when they do that. <laughs> and I think it was like rotten at like eighteen percent. So I think a lot less people are going to see this movie. Well, I mean that helps me. I, yeah, I did it last when I started fair. seeing like all the horrible reviews. Um, not that I really, I'm going to make my own opinion on it. And yeah. knowing me, I'm like, man, I'm going to be like the one guy out there that's like, that's oh, not that bad. <laughs> yeah. Probably. It'll probably, probably be like a Suicide Squad situation where there's a lot of like backlash and, and there's like this cycle that happens. Like the more something gets hate, then it just gets more and more hate. And it's kind of just goes down from there. Yeah. Uh, regardless of how good it actually is. But yeah. it means that my average rating fell significantly. I would hope so. <laughs> you're you're at six point seven five, and I'm at six point five at eight six. So yeah, thank you, Morbius. I still have 
Shut up. We don't care. We don't care about that. Uh, <laughs> that part doesn't matter. You, you got to hell. You got to hell. You got to hell. <laughs> but you, there's still, the game is still far from over. It's true. You, you have almost all of the movies in July and October. I don't have any more comic book movies. Like I said, you have five still. <laughs> and somehow I have the heavy, the heavy hitters coming up yeah. too. So you have Dr. Strange, Thor, love and thunder, Spider-Man across the spider verse, black Adam, black Panther, all the black <laughs> stuff. In addition to a bunch of other like big ones, like uh, the Jurassic park. So Yeah. I'm not worried about you at all at this point. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say at the draft? Like, hopefully I get to claim at least the rating. Hopefully I get to claim the rating. Um, and hopefully Avatar 2, like, gets pushed back to, like, January. <laughs> that would be funny yeah. as fuck if they're like, you know what? We're going to push it back to, like, the first weekend of January. <laughs> they're like, we really just need to move it two weeks and then uh, <laughs> to screw Jake. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, do? Yeah. Boo-hoo for you. Boo-hoo for me, indeed. <laughs> um, have you seen anything new lately? I did watch something new. All right. Um, so I'm a big fan of, like, biopics. I like movies based on real life stuff. Uh, even though they get the the real stories wrong half of the time, but I still enjoy them. I like watching. They try to make it more interesting than it really was. True. Um, this one was crazy boring, and I felt so bad <laughs> because it should have been really inspiring and awesome. And I was like, to the point, and you know me, like yeah. I will suffer through pretty much any movie. Yeah. I almost turned it off because I was like, I don't think I've ever been this bored. During a biopic, like yeah. ever, uh, but I watched King Richard, uh, okay, and yeah, I was like, <laughs> man, I feel bad for the Williams family because this movie kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have honestly no interest in seeing it, so um, I was glad we didn't do the Oscar episode, so I didn't have to see it. Right, right. Well, it was it was so boring and. Mm. I a lot of the like portrayal of the dad, I was like, no, I get like I get the dad's decisions. Like I didn't think mm -hmm. I think he was a decent dad trying to teach his kids pretty valuable lessons. Um okay. but the movie really kind of sucks. It's really boring. <laughs> and I don't know why Will Smith got the Oscar, because he yeah. doesn't do anything special in it. Like at all. <laughs> he doesn't do shit. Well. <laughs> like I think that they just wanted to get him on stage after the slap. That was the thing. That okay. Like, quick, let's switch out the envelopes real quick so that we can make it super awkward for everybody. I just, I have not commented on this. Uh, and this is probably going to really be the only time I do make a comment Everybody's on this. Everybody's dying to know. They want to know your hot take. I know. Well, you know me. Whether you want to or not, you're going to get it. <laughs> and this will be really the only time. Yeah. Um, I feel really bad for almost every award given mm -hmm. after that moment. Yeah. Because no one, if you ask anyone what movie won Best Picture, or who won Best Actress, who won like Best Cinematography, yeah, no one knows. The only thing people know. Well, honestly, I don't know any of the things that happened before it either. True. Because I didn't watch it. We didn't watch it. Um, but I, I felt bad for him, especially after I found out who did win the best picture, because it mm -hmm. was like a movie about 
like a deaf family. It's about a kid yeah. who's raised in a deaf home. And the first deaf actor won the best actor. I thought that was pretty cool when I found that out. Yeah. But all that got completely ignored for the Academy to be like, you know what? We need to be relevant again. Let's get Will Smith to bitch slap Chris Rock. Fuck you. It made me not (laughs) want to watch the Oscars even more. Do you think it was scripted? Part of me does. I, that was my first reaction. I was like, (laughs) of course it's scripted. And then I saw a comment that said, that's definitely not scripted because it's way more entertaining than anything the Oscars could come up with. To I do. mean, that's I was like, true. Well, that is true. That's but true. I also had to think like, man, no one has given a fuck about the Oscars for so mm-hmm. long and their viewership keeps like plummeting. It's not even a gradual like, yeah. oh, there's a slight decline in audience. No, it's like, oh, shit. People are watching reruns of like American Dad on Comedy Central at 1 a.m. more. <laughs> Then they're watching the Oscar, yeah. a three, yeah. four hour ceremony. Um, I really enjoy the irony of people watching actors win awards for the best acting, asking themselves if the thing they're watching is real or not. <laughs> yeah. So but no, I, none of it's real. It's, 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 it's publicity stuff. I feel really bad for uh, some of the winners because they got completely ignored and overshadowed by Will Smith PMSing on the stage script or not. Uh, Other than that, I'm like, who gives a shit? I really like what Jake or Ricky Gervais said, where he was like, I wouldn't make fun of Jada Pinkett Smith. I'd make fun of her husband. Like, yeah. Yeah. Good job, Will Smith. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Part of me like feels bad for him because he's obviously trying to work through some shit i don't think that he would do the, have the same reaction if it was a man larger than him on stage he took it out on a smaller chris rock if it was jason momoa it wouldn't be the same but well if anything he just helped boost chris rock's career back into like crazy relevancy did you hear yeah. he's selling out his stand-up tour now oh really <laughs> yes i wouldn't be surprised everybody wants to hear what he has to say now right They're like please make a joke about but- it I, I, we're we're hitting comedian. They're making jokes. I saw that you posted the uh, Chris. Oh man, Delia bit, which is one of my favorite bits ever. Where he's like, "It's weird <laughs> when people get mad at comedians for doing what we do, telling jokes." Yeah, you know why <laughs> we're joking. <laughs> that I was, that whole bit, and there's more, folks. Go watch yeah. the whole bit because it's Christelia is great. It's perfect. Uh, yeah. So that's all I got to say about that. Fuck Will Smith <laughs> for the moment. Um, yeah. And fuck the Academy because I'm I'm I was over the memes immediately, and oh uh, they've been going on for like three days, and I'm like, when <laughs> is this going to end? So we're recording this on Thursday, and yeah, yeah I got home from work Sunday night. And was doing that like late night scroll, you know? Yeah. And every every post was Will Smith, Will Smith, Will Smith, Will Smith. And then it was all these other celebrities like, I am heartbroken. I'm disgusted. And you're like, mm-hmm. you probably are the one that throws a glass of water at your interns for not having enough ice. <laughs> like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, last thing I'll <laughs> say about it, Will Smith's like apology post was hilarious to me because yeah. it's like, Violence in all of its forms is poisonous or whatever he says. I was like, you make movies, bro. Like, 
<laughs> shooting people on the daily. Like, th- like that violence is toxic too. Your biggest hits are where you're playing a character shooting people up. Like, yeah. <laughs> the only reason I know who you are is because you punched an alien in the face and said, welcome to earth. <laughs> right. And what the hell is that smell? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, anyway. that's really all I got about that. I was just like, it was, you know what it was? Mm-hmm. It was like, there it is. I'm validated. Jake and I are validated. Yeah. Not watching this piece of shit show. Like I felt, I, I didn't hear anything about the hosts or the jokes or nothing. anything. So apparently they were not funny. Like I assumed they would be. <laughs> right. Uh, watch. It was probably like one of the better Oscars they've had, but no one knows because they only focused on the one moment. Could be. Uh, but yeah, like at first I thought it, I felt a little weird. It was the first time since I was a little kid that I have not watched the Oscars. Yeah. So like at least 30 years, I've been watching this thing every year. Mm -hmm. So it was a little weird breaking like that tradition. And then I saw the memes and was like, Oh, you know what? (laughs) I'm a man of tradition, but it's okay for some traditions to die. So I guess I'm not watching the Oscars really ever again. Cause I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They would have to drastically like change it up. If it's just going to be the same shit. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the only new movie was King Richard. And I felt like he's done a way better job acting in plenty of other movies and gotten no recognition for it. Yeah. And this one felt like true Academy fashion of just a political thing. So mm-hmm. I did enjoy seeing that justice league won that like fan award the, the, the fan reaction award and then yeah. army of the dead won the fan favorite award so i was like yeah fuck you warner brothers yeah take that <laughs> <laughs> i was very impressed especially with all the other random ass movies it was up against they weren't even like the related to anything that came out this year it was like yeah. end game and a bunch of old stuff very confusing Trying to be relevant, probably. Well, I feel like the Oscars were just trying to do something to bring yeah. in younger crowd, but trying to be like the Nickelodeon Kiss Choice Awards. But until yeah. somebody gets slimed, I don't. It, care. it was like them being like, "See, we listen to the audience." No, you yeah. don't. They didn't yeah. even give those awards to like the full theater. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I watched. I finally got around to watching Death on the Nile. Okay. And it, it was pretty fun. I was kind of distracted watching it, so I can't really say either way, but it was a fine, nice movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did watch Flypaper, which is one that you recommended. Yeah. Hidden Gems I'd never seen, and I very much enjoyed it. That's a very yeah, fun yeah. movie. Right? Isn't that just like, it's such a pleasant little quirky film. I love yeah. Flypaper so much. It is. It Hidden Gem is the best way to describe it, so you, I think, <laughs> win on that account. Uh I really want to watch the first episodes of Halo and Moon Knight, but I haven't yet. Me neither. Because, because I started watching Yellowstone again. Oh, God. Damn it. <laughs> From the beginning. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. And I'm going to be doing that for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> it's so fucking Jake, good, you've bro. watched that series like four times now. It's okay I watched to it watch it one time, one whole time. <laughs> And I fell in love, and I'm going to watch it for the rest of my life. It doesn't come out until, like, the new season doesn't come out to this fall. I was like, Christy, we're going to watch this a couple more times. <laughs> was Christy like, no, you are. She's fine with it to this uh, point. She's re-watching it with me. Um, maybe the third or fourth time that will uh, fizzle out. We'll 
yeah, so that's what I'm doing basically until uh, till the baby's here. Oh, so we mentioned last week at the end of the episode, you, if you didn't stick around, you didn't hear about it. Yeah. But letting you know, this is going to be the last episode for a little bit, not the last ever, but we're nope. going into a, going into a hiatus uh, as I, I prepare for the baby. You're working on some other stuff too. Yep. Yep. And so it'll be uh, probably a month or two. We will let you know. We'll still be active on social media, of course, keeping up with the draft, shit talking, all that good stuff. <laughs> so check um, in with us. On, I'm sure Jake uh, has like an arsenal of memes already <laughs> locked and loaded, just ready to be let out of the bag. You know it. Um, yeah, it's it's a little bittersweet right now. I know we're coming back in like a month or two, but I was like trying to prep for the this episode and was like, oh, I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed out, but mm-hmm. it's for good reasons. Uh, and yeah, I'll get to put a lot of focus and attention on another project that I'm I'm trying to get off the ground right now. When we come back, I'm going to tell you right now, I am changing the whole backdrop behind me. Uh, okay. Because I'm going to turn our my little recording space into my my other creative workspace. Mm, so nice. things are going to be changed around, and I'll come up with something different when we return. Um, okay. But yeah, I was like, this, this is a little weird. Told my daughter, <laughs> like, we're not recording this weekend. And she was like, what? And I was like, because <laughs> we're recording on Thursday night, thanks to my mm-hmm. crazy work schedule. And, uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, we're taking a break for a little bit so that Jake can be a dad. Yeah. Try to see. It'll depend on how much of an asshole my son is. And then uh, we'll see <laughs> how much he wants to, uh, let me come back and uh, all that good stuff. So, yep. but planning on it, we already have a bunch of episodes still planned out. I'm very excited for the ones we want to do when we come back. So it will yeah. happen. I'm very excited for the very first one that we were going to do when we come back that one. I'm. We've been talking about that one for a long time, so yeah. we need to finally do. Yeah. Um, and then we also mentioned at the end of last episode, um, we're going to be switching up our merch, too. So mm-hmm. if you want shirts or hoodies or whatever with this logo, the original OG Movie Boners logo, get that in the next, I don't know. Maybe we might change it up probably when we come back. So a month or two, you probably have. Um Go ahead and get that because once it's gone, it's not coming back. We have a whole yep. new things coming when we come back. So uh, do make sure you get that if you want to be cool and on in in <laughs> the right. know in the in the beginning. And I will tell you, if you don't have your shit yet, um, I love wearing my hoodie. Well, not now because Texas heat is starting to kick in again, so <laughs> hoodies are <laughs> put away. Um, yeah. But before the heat kicked in, it was a lot of fun walking into work wearing my hoodie. And seeing mm-hmm. everyone getting the joke when they would nice. see the logo and see the name and all that. Um, that that was always good. People coming up and being like, is that really? Yes. <laughs> it's a podcast, Mike. You perverts. God. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Bunch of perverts. God damn uh, <laughs> And then the last thing, which I kind of texted you about. To kind of. Dude, up, you were like. I want to tell you so badly. I know. So, so I have a surprise. It's not really my surprise, but I have been bequeathed with the responsibility of it, I guess. Okay. We got a care package mail call from a fan and friend, 
And uh, some of it's for you, so I'll be sending it to you, but okay. I'm going to spoil it, spoil it, and show it to you live on air yeah, so that's that fine. I can get you, get your reaction and all that cool. good stuff. Cool. Wow, we so, got we got fan mail? This is so far, We got fan mail. So from our good buddy and previous benefactor, uh, David, from the Wandering Lion Film Fest, hey, or hey, Film hey. Studios, he like emailed me ages ago about an address, and I kind of forgot that he was gonna, said he was going <laughs> to send us something. And he sent us a bunch of shit. And there's stuff for uh, Monica and Christy as well. Oh, dang. So well, thank you, David. He, he sent us a, uh, this, like, it's a little poster thing. It has this whole, it's this, like, whole motivational F. Scott Fitzgerald poster. It's very oh, nice. Yeah. Very exciting. It's all about uh, being who you are and starting whenever you want to start being who you are and all that good stuff. Very exciting. Right. But the best of the whole thing Uh-oh. and actually the first thing that i got and i was like this is the best ever and then i got a bunch of more stuff <laughs> he gave us both individual personal maltese falcons oh my god <laughs> oh my god i guess he listened to the episode no where he said fucking it was the, way. the coolest movie prop ever <laughs> and Holy uh, shit. yeah yeah, I was so excited when I saw it. It's the coolest thing ever. That is fucking badass. Thank you, David. Uh, folks, if you're not watching the YouTube, you need to to check out the fucking Falcon. That is awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. It's got a little storage area in the bottom. You can put a little uh, secret treasure in there and stuff. Look at that. Yeah, so you will be getting that in the mail. Hell yeah. Um, I'm very, very excited. Thank you, David. <laughs> so you are the cool. man, by the way. <laughs> fantastic. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. Cheers, David. Thank you. Uh, man, where Absolutely. am I going to put that? You know what? That's probably going to be put... You know what, David? That's going to be on my new setup, whatever it ends up being. I'm, I'm going to include that in the setup. That is badass. Thank you, sir. Wow. Yeah, pretty awesome. He's a cool guy. He is a cool guy. Uh, if you haven't checked out... They're not our... We haven't been doing the sponsorship with them for a while, but check out Wandering Lion. I know they're not yeah. really active right now, but go check out some of their old their stuff. It's cool. Yeah. They're busy with other shit too. Dylan's kind of like me; he's having a baby too. But uh, yeah, they are very cool guys and still still out there crushing it. So yep, yep. check them out. Well, okay. that was cool. That was a great that... surprise. Oh, my <laughs> I know, I know. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I need to stop texting you because I'm going to spoil what it is. <laughs> you were <laughs> like, don't talk to me. I'll see you at the episode. <laughs> okay, so this episode, uh, we have a whole bunch of shit to say about the whole mad max series oh my god it's gonna be a, a lot like the matrix series but also very different than the matrix series i was yeah. like okay it'll be it'll be four movies it's a franchise it'll just be the same thing and i was like no this is completely different oh my actually. god so like i told you before we uh started to record i prepped it you know i got ready had my my notebook all ready mm-hmm. all excited like all right mad max here we go i started making notes and then I found myself, I just, there is something about all four of the movies, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, I love all four of them. They're okay. awesome. Um, there, there's one that I don't love as much, but I still love all four. Mm. Um, but I just, I like, I get sucked into the story. And I get mm-hmm. sucked into just the the imagery of the cinematography, all of it is like, yeah, this is too, too cool to watch yeah. and like try to write notes and distract <laughs> myself from the story. I, I just can't do it. I, 
I get that way when I watch a lot of Arnold movies where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll put this in the background and it'll be fine. I'll go and do stuff around the house. And I'm like, no, you're going to sit your ass down. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. Like the little kid that's still inside you, you know. Right. I love Mad Max. And I was trying to remember, when did I start? Because I did not grow up watching Mad Max. Yeah, I didn't either. And I, I don't I don't know exactly when I found it. It may have been yeah. like college-ish age, I guess. Yeah, I Pretty don't. Late. I think I. I, uh, like, I just remember being like weird and gritty and different than anything I'd seen before. Right. I want to say. I want to say I really started watching Mad Max right around the time I got married. Mm. which was a long time ago folks uh, <laughs> yeah like a long time ago <laughs> uh maybe right around that time maybe a little bit it's before like i got married early 2000s yeah i got married in 2006 yeah just to date myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're old men at this point right well when you have an almost 13 year old child you're like yeah i've uh i'm, I'm an old yeah. man and she was giving me shit today we were doing a whole like what can I do that you can't? Because my daughter has decided she has a, a life calling. Are you ready okay. for this? And Jake, I hope your child gets <laughs> this calling as well. Because it's funny I'm as hell. Very excited to hear it. Yes. Uh, my daughter's life calling is to beat me at something. Okay. <laughs> like any kind of game, any kind of like arm wrestling, anything. She's mm-hmm. like, I just want to beat you. Just let me win. And I'm like, that's not how this works. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So... We were in the car earlier and just listing stuff that like we can do that the other can't. Mm-hmm. And my daughter had a funny one where she goes, Dad, I can sit on the floor and get up just fine. Oh, no. And I was like, I can get up. She goes, Dad, you grunt. <laughs> Without grunting. Yeah, she was like, you make old man sounds when you're getting out of <laughs> like. Oh, no. You're a little shit, man. Love yeah, I love you. It's <laughs> like that's that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, you can't drive. You're gonna walk home. <laughs> right. Oh, I, I was like, I can drive wherever I want. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm younger than you. I'm gonna live longer. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> she takes that knife deep. Like I get it. <laughs> she that's did throw. Yeah. She was like, I don't have to pay taxes yet. I don't have oh, to do that. No. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be a dictator. I'm like, if I'm paying taxes, you're fucking paying taxes. <laughs> Give me your ice cream. <laughs> right. Parent tax is a thing, folks. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I think I watched, just bring it back around to Mad Max somehow. <laughs> uh, I want to say it was just before I got married. I remember, like, because I always loved Lethal Weapon. I, I grew up loving Mel Gibson. Yeah, for sure. But I never watched Mad Max until like out of high school mm-hmm. and i remember my dad always telling me oh you gotta watch mad max how have you not watched mad max yet and i'm like i don't know how have i not watched mad max dad you taught yeah. me all of this uh, right it's your fault yeah <laughs> yeah that's how i that, it was weird that's kind of similar to me i didn't find it until later in life and i had already knew all about it and loved Mel gibson's movies i so it was news to me reading up up on it of like the history of it and how it was created in Australia and it was super low budget and 
It didn't even like really get released very widely in the States. Yeah. So when they made Mad Max 2, they couldn't call it Mad Max 2 because they would confuse <laughs> everybody. No one knew there was a Mad Max 1. So they called it the Road Warrior in the United States and kind of pretended like it was an original movie. And uh, and I was like, this, this is crazy. And nobody knew who Mel Gibson was at that point because yeah. it was so early that he wasn't even in the trailers, really. They just <laughs> kind of like focused on the action and and uh, didn't put him on the posters or anything. I was like, this, this is crazy. It's not the movie I thought it would be. Really. Right. But they're so cool. Uh, I, I've realized something. So watching all four, I really love. That first one is so unique for being post-apocalyptic, like this world gone to shit kind of look, because it doesn't look like the world's gone to shit yet, but it does Mm. such a great job of kind of being that introduction of, oh no, the world is going this direction. This is just before it all burns up. I really like that look, and I really like that idea and approach to showing post-apocalyptic world and this like... Mm -hmm desecrated wasteland i really like how george miller did this yeah uh, I, I think it's it, it's really just like on the cusp of being apocalyptic where yeah grass is still green there's not a lot of people around but you know, there's sus there's society for well, the they, most part they still there's have like society buildings. there's still like the justice hall there's still homes there's still Cops i mean stuff, yeah. you can still see the barter system is kind of going into play because currency isn't really a thing anymore like they mm-hmm. give you a lot of these little uh building blocks for what's coming and then when we yeah. got the second one then it's like oh no the world's gone to shit here we go <laughs> 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 yeah but i really like that first one i just i think the creativity of it and just mm-hmm. that that first stepping stone into showing this world and i get that a lot of it was not necessarily purposeful it was because they didn't have enough money for yeah. like to be able to create or film in these like australian deserts yeah but i'm like, kind of glad they didn't we have can't that. pay a we can't pay a bunch of extras so let's just say it's in. It, it's after an apocalypse, and there's not that many people around. Right. Uh, but I, I think it works to the advantage, and I think it. It really, especially when you watch all four back to back, I think it really gives a little extra gravity to Max as right. a character. It's an origin story. Yeah, it's a very good origin story where he's he's not Mad Max for most of the movie. He's <laughs> right. a guy with his family that wears khakis and tucks his shirt in. Like he's a normal dude. <laughs> and I was watching. It, I was like, "This is not Mad Max. He's tucking his shirt in." <laughs> right. <laughs> but it it is definitely an origin story where he's ha- what things along his path led him to this place and it's also the very beginning of the apocalypse like you said mm-hmm. and it's kind of weird to watch it now because we've the joke for the last two years we've been in a pandemic we have <laughs> prices going up for the last two years gas is, was it like under two dollars in like two years ago and now it's like six dollars in some places <laughs> so side note to that i was editing the uh Uh-oh. in the intro for the stunts episode last yeah, yeah. week and I use that clip from Hooper from the 70s. And I put my face in my hands because gas was like 50 cents a gallon. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Like, why? Oh, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> it was the saddest thing. But it, I, that's kind of the thing that I, I do. I love movies. And so when I have something in real life that reminds me of a movie, I'm like, I could be distraught about gas prices. But what I'm really doing is being like, oh, you know what's a cool movie? Mad Max. I should watch that again. <laughs> I did the same thing when uh, you, Russia invaded Ukraine. I wasn't like, oh, this is terrible. I was like, you know it's a cool movie? Red Dawn. Let's watch Red Dawn when we get home. <laughs> it, I watched Air Force One. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what we do. We are uh, weird. Yeah, I just... It, watching the Mad Max series, it's so funny because since the pandemic started in mm -hmm. early 2020, there's been like this ongoing joke of when do we get just throw caution to the wind and go full Mad Max. Like that's yeah. been a joke for two years now. Yeah. And do watching we slowly start dressing that way. Or do you just decide one day, fuck it. I'm not, I'm going to cut the <laughs> pant, the butt out of all my pants and let my ass cheeks hang you out. I need black leather. Uh, I'm going to show my ass cheeks and I need a fucking Thunderdome. One, yeah. two men in one man out. Like that's <laughs> the rule. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a great <laughs> Because Tina Turner. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally know what you're saying. And I think that I, I think that Mad Max is such a unique apocalyptic aesthetic that is yeah. so great. Well, and it, it's it's not just the sand, it's not just the outfits, it's not just the cars, although that's a big part of it. It's just the whole thing, like down to the names, like the you, the credits to a Mad Max movie. People have the weirdest names, and I'm like, this is so different and cool. They have, like, okay, one of the worst names, and it makes me laugh every <laughs> time. Because I'm like, what the fuck? Well, there's a couple. Mm. Um, unfortunately, the main villain in the first one, his name also makes me laugh because he's Toe Cutter. Yeah. And I'm like, for being the leader of this rapey like super ultra violent biker gang your name's toe cutter it's kind of like taser face from guardians you know where you're like okay yeah, yeah that's scary <laughs> yeah and, and then the other name that makes me laugh every time and that's because i may be in my mid-30s but i will always laugh at like stupid possible innuendo names so every time that master blaster <laughs> in Thunderdome like every time they say their names yeah. together I giggle I always feel like Joey from Friends when they're at the like conference and every time that yeah. Ross is giving a speech and he says homo, homo erectus, erectus. <laughs> <And> it, yeah <laughs> like I'm watching Thunderdome and they're like it's Master Blaster and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> yeah you're not wrong I'm like yeah that's what she said uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, some the of the names are have. bad. <laughs> but like, I you forgive it. Like, it's not bad in oh, like 100%. a B-movie way. It's just like everything in that world is so either literal or childlike. A lot of like languages and things that people say, the way they talk to each other. They're not, I guess they're not educated or they haven't been raised by parents. And so they just kind of talk in a weird way. And so they just call things what they are, or what they look like, or what they want to be. I, I, I'm going to be master. You be blaster. We'll be master blaster together, and that will be our whole thing. <laughs> you can't say it like that. <laughs> I'm going to be the master, though. Okay, you're the blaster. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're going to be the jacked muscle of the group, so that's good. Yeah, but I take. I, 
I take two arrows to the chest. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler, by the way. Oh, yeah, folks. We're If you haven't checked out our deep dives, um, yeah. why not? They're great. But we spoiled the shit out of these. So this is a movie from 1979. You should have seen it by now. If you haven't, go right. see it right now. Uh, drop everything that you're doing and watch all the four now, Mad Max. Movies. Now, Master Blaster doesn't show up until the third one. But yeah, uh, you should watch all three because the original trilogy is great. And Fury Road is obviously incredible. I know Jake, Jake and I are both stoked to get to that one. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> it's it's weird when a fourth installment slash reboot slash requel whatever you yeah. want to call it is like nope that's the masterpiece that's yeah. what all this has been aspiring to and that's the one yeah um, and i think this the not the story of the movies like the story the characters are going through but the story of george miller and how he made them makes total sense like how it just gets yep. better and better and better and you get to Fury Road. Like in my mind, I watch I've seen Fury Road tons of times because I fucking love it. But I haven't seen it in a minute. And so I was like, I don't need to watch it. I've seen it a bunch. I know all about it. So I just kind of put it on and I was like, oh my God, this movie is so Dude. good. I can't believe all the things in it, all the details. I was like, this is so Road Warrior, the second one, is incredible. It's really, really, yeah. really good. It's the so first good. one is good, but it's it's so it's just starting. It's just it's so low budget. It's just starting. It doesn't really know what it is yet. A lot of the things, like you said, it, the post apocalyptic ness, it wasn't necessarily intentional. It was just kind of a way to get around this story and make it actually kind of make sense. It was creative to make it that way. Yep. Road Warrior. Is the one where it feels like it knows what it is and it knows what it wants to be and it's really it's the perf close to the perfect thing that it could be but it's still rough around the edges and then fury road is let's take that thing that's great and perfect it on oh, every yeah. level watching so big fan of that first one because i like the grittiness i like that where you can tell how low budget it feels i yeah. always enjoy it when something is so has like made its mark in cinema history um, mm -hmm. or made an impact. Right. And it's so low budget. It like never had a name to it. And then all of a sudden it's considered like this grand piece of yeah. creative, whatever I like it when that happens. Yeah. And I'm with you. So if I had to put them in order and normally we save this for like the end, but I will try to put them in order. It would be like fury road road warrior. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm counting down. So Fury Road, okay. Road Warrior, Mad Max, and then Thunderdome. Which Same I, for me. Yeah, I don't think that would be any surprise. But when I watched Road Warrior, I'm watching it this time, and I was like, oh my god. It's exactly what you just said. Where I'm like, this feels like what Fury Road is going to be. It feels like yeah. he knew where he wanted to take the character of Max. Mm -hmm. He was just trying to get there. He just needed to work his way road warrior feels like he's ironing out like yeah it's the second or third draft right he's just kind of right. getting it ready we were we had no clue what was coming when fury road came out uh. <laughs> right right yeah it it is it's there's so many like hints in road warrior or mad max 2 whatever you want to call it they that are 
done again because they were so good, but it just it just could be it, you just needed it like the yep. the guys strapped to the front of the car um like <laughs> yeah. everything about the just <laughs> the whole the desert society the tanker trip like yeah chasing the tanker down the desert uh, it's just so cool it's so yeah. cool <laughs> um i thought it was and i know you and i like mentioned it and we always think fury road when we brought up like the stunts episode and i know that was kind of a precursor to this one because we brought up Mm-hmm. Mad Max in the stunts episode, uh, rewatching all of them. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Obviously I've had like my brain turned on to stunts and I've been like, <laughs> like every time I see aware. somebody like go through a door or go through a car or, or like whatever, I'm thinking about stunts. And so watching it from that perspective, it was so fun. Even the very first one, like the very beginning, that whole long car uh, (laughs) thing where that guy's driving and they like, they jump through the trailer and burst through the trailer. I was like, that's cool. Like that's a stunt right there. And I was like reading about it. I was like, there's so many things that were done illegally to make this movie because they didn't have the budget to like shut down streets they just they didn't have the budget they didn't get the permits they weren't allowed to film like on the bridge where uh johnny's trying to like uncuff himself or get the chain off Mm -hmm. they weren't allowed to film there but they did it so when you watch it and he looks like he's hurrying it's not because that's the script he was hurrying because they're like you have to get this take now (laughs) so we don't get arrested go Yeah, and that that's part of what I love about the first one is how creative uh, that's why I love old movies especially especially like early on because they had to get so creative with practical effects, with yeah. timing, with editing, with ca- just camera trickery to get things to tell the story and it tells a a very interesting story, a very like pr- not very violent but pretty violent, violent story without like and any like significant effects, any significant support from right. any like movie production companies. It's a very independent movie made in Australia, made for like low, low, low budget. And then it was so cool that it became incredibly successful. Like they did, <laughs> su- you, they did such a good job, and they tapped into something that it became so successful. It was the it was the most profitable independent film. Until 1999, when Blair Witch Project yeah. outgrossed it, which is insane to me. Which I still think, like, Blair Witch may have outgrossed it, but that there was so much weird hype when Blair Witch came out because yeah. they, I give the credit, the filmmakers a lot of credit, and I don't hate Blair Witch at all. Yeah. Primarily because I'm like, they did what, like, H.G. Wells did back with The War of the Worlds. True, on the radio. True. Like they tricked so many people into thinking yeah. that this was real. And then yeah. the, the cast had to come out and be like, no, we have like, we're doing other stuff. We're alive. We're we we didn't die in a cabinet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it was also like 1999. The internet was like starting to be a thing, oh, man. People and didn't know not to trust the things you read on the internet. <laughs> Y2K was a thing. So everyone was hyper like sensitive and crazed. Uh, wait a minute. That was not 2022, <laughs> right? Uh, the more things change, the more things stay the same. <laughs> right. But in terms of just like, I think Mad Max is a better movie. 
and obviously they're different genres, but uh, I think even with the crazy low budget and even just everything about Mad Max, that first one Mm -hmm. is better to me than what Blair Witch did. So when I saw that Blair Witch outgrossed it and took that record, I was kind of, I was kind of bummed. Yeah. But then, then I had that thought of like, yeah, they may have won the box office number, but I think Mad Max is going to win the like longevity. Yeah. Like the memorable. It will stand the test of time. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And it's, it's become a classic already, which is it's, it has this like Mad Max has this weird niche where it's, it's a classic, but it's, like in this weird sci-fi sub-genre, kind of like the first Blade Runner was for a long time where mm-hmm. only very specific people loved it. And well, and I think that that with Fury Road and with Blade Runner 2049, both of those things were elevated more mainstream. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a weird comparison. But I, I kind think of they're feel... Ballpark. I, I would put, uh, especially that first Mad Max, kind of in the same, like category subcategory whatever it's like the first evil dead did or having that kind of impact where the first evil dead yeah. is it was so low budget to the point where they kept running out of money trying to film it that's why when you watch the movie their hairstyles <laughs> and outfits change throughout the film because they had to stop restart when they raised a little more cash and then <laughs> like mm-hmm. i compare the two well i just i don't want to say compare the two but i put them both in kind of the same like category or mindset whatever of solo budget they have cult followings or huge massive cult films but in a mainstream way where they've had such an impact on whether it's the science fiction aspect which it's kind of weird to say mad max is sci-fi but it is with some of the weird shit they do um (laughs) but like evil dead also had crazy cult following but they've made such a huge impact not just in these specific genres but in filmmaking in general Mm -hmm. and just being creative in general that it's really cool to see and i yeah i like being a fan of both because i'm like you you get a little sense of pride almost where you're like Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i'm part of that fan base and that you think it's something cool like exclusive but then you find out like oh no everyone loves this okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah I yeah, get it's it. <laughs> it's kind of a fun illusion to think that it's a small club when it's a pretty big club. It's a pretty big club, and it's only gotten bigger as time has gone by, which is awesome. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, and I, it's it's interesting to compare Evil Dead to Mad Max. Mad Max is a, a an action series mostly, mm-hmm. but especially those first couple, there's a lot of horror elements to them. Like there's, there's some terrifying parts where these monsters or toe cutter or whoever is yeah. chasing you and uh they get pretty scary for sure so horror is part of it but i think i gravitated towards it because and i was surprised and not surprised to hear george miller talk about this where mad max is kind of a a retelling of classic western tropes or it's a western film mm-hmm. like a cowboy film in new clothes he says and so if you replace motorcycles and cars with horses especially that first movie yeah it's it's very much a classic revenge tale and then 
the second movie where he has like the kids and, and the second and third movie, both of them, he plays like kind of a surrogate father. Like the, he's just Mad Max well, is always like that traveling gunfighter, like Shane or whoever. They also call him around. They even call him in Thunderdome, the man with no name. Like, yeah, that cracks exactly. me up where you're like, oh, it's it, it's a weird sci-fi action-y western like it's it takes like star wars kind of like star the first star wars dare i say not star wars today kids if you are a star wars fan (laughs) today i'm talking about the wild west of star wars in the 70s when it was just this random space western (laughs) that came out right uh yeah it totally makes sense that it would be shot as kind of uh an updated western I also really like that they don't give actual dates, although George Miller did spoil the actual dates for it. But we're going to ignore mm. that. Uh, yeah, because I enjoyed it watching better. it. I enjoyed watching it because it reminded me of the episode we did a little bit ago about dating movies and yeah. the movies set in 2022. I was like, this still works. Like, And there's oh. not even like technology, really, that you could really tell when it should be. Well, because I think I love... And you and I have talked about this, whether it was with the original Star Wars trilogy or well, we'll stick with that, where it's like it's futuristic, but everything's so worn out. Everything is you have to just yeah. kind of improvise how you're going to fix problems, how you're going right. to be a mechanic. What do you do when you mm-hmm. don't actually know? Um Especially in the apocalypse when they're not making new stuff. Right. So they're it's nice not making- seeing smartphones or bluetooth crap anymore (laughs) now it's still like we don't even have cell phones because there's no power to even have a cell tower like yeah that makes sense everything's off of gasoline or some kind of fuel but that's scarce water's scarce and then you Mm -hmm. start thinking like well some elements from mad max feel like they're happening today oh shit uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that's that's the interesting thing where Mad Max does such interesting things with the apocalyptic genre where it does things that I think it are more realistic than a lot of movies do, yeah. which are things like uh, you don't see a lot of movies where people just start using bows and arrows like they do in road warrior. And, and I love how in road warrior, they don't, they don't have a lot of guns. They have guns, but they don't have a lot of ammunition and ammunition takes a lot of time and materials and stuff to manufacture guns break parts break so you have to do a lot of things in order to fix those so it makes sense that you would use bows and arrows and crossbows and stuff which are much more you like serviceable you could create that out of nothing Mm -hmm. you could fix that on the fly so i i like those kinds of things where it makes a lot of sense but mad max is also very focused on people loving cars and loving driving (laughs) and to the extent that they they love cars and driving more than anything else depending on what movie you're watching well if you're watching uh thunderdome they don't drive for most of the movie which is my only main complaint because that's mad max for me well i mean his car has been like impounded kind of um it, it is weird watching thunderdome and there's not like crazy car chases and like crazy car explosions but their obsession with the cars their obsession with it makes sense in this story yeah because everyone's constantly on the move if you're not on the move that means you've kind of made peace with you're eventually just gonna die 
Right. If you're on the it's, move, you're you're still going. <laughs> a nomadic nomadic lifestyle, which is a, has throughout history has been a very popular thing for humans to do or tribes of yeah. humans to do. Uh, so it makes sense to me that they would put so much in the vehicles. Uh, I, for being like someone who doesn't give a fuck about cars <laughs> at yeah. all, like I just <laughs> does it get me from A to B? Yep, cool. Yeah, like, couldn't does care it less. Not break. But, That's the only <laughs> thing I want. <laughs> I'm like, is it safe to have my kid in? Yep. Okay. A to B. Yep. All right. Is it <laughs> is it gonna break on me for like a while? No. All right. We're good. Like yeah. I don't care. But I also like I'm not trying to drive across wastelands just constantly in search of food or search of, you know, right. any kind of nourishment, really. Um, I, I really like the mentality that everybody has in the Mad Max franchise where it's like no one's on the move to find. Uh, oh, I just lost the word like the perfect paradise. No one's going yeah. after this, you know, utopia. Thank you. This rumored utopia it's just no we have to move or we die (laughs) like yeah we're gonna encounter like bad people along the way but i gotta keep going you just have Mm -hmm. to constantly be on the move because the whole game is how do i survive post-apocalyptic world where everything's dried up the deserts have really run over um and and i like that it's not the usual apocalypse take where like the entire world blew up it's just mm-hmm. yeah there was war there was like these crazy shortages that led but it's not oh the entire planet died it's just mm-hmm. people are scattered you don't know who's around who's not it, we're all scattered and yeah. it only takes place in australia so who knows what happened on the other side of the world so <laughs> right right they don't really have the resources to ship like to ship a boat captain a boat right uh, across the ocean or <laughs> a plane let alone a plane but and, and i think that first one is also interesting you know when you read like the synopsis or even you and i talking about it, it's a it's a really good classic revenge tale mm-hmm. but there's nothing revenge tale about it until like the last 20 minutes of the film half hour right. of the film <laughs> Like the rest is literally just how do we avoid this biker gang that is hunting down the officer that was responsible for killing one of their members? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it shocked me the first time I saw it because you'd always heard of what Mad Max is and you yeah. mostly hear about what Road Warrior is because you didn't really know what Mad Max was. And it always shocked me when you I watched it, and yeah, most of the movie is just like a like a cop movie. It's this, these <laughs> cops chasing this biker gang and they're, they're battling with each other. And you wouldn't really know that it's an apocalyptic movie. If you didn't have the narration at the beginning telling you that basically. Yeah. Fun fact about that first one that I did not know until this week. Uh, the biker gang mm-hmm. is pretty much all real members of a real biker gang. Back in the 70s, they didn't have enough money to hire enough extras for this, so Mm. they hired a real gang. And the fun, the extra fun fact on that is uh, they had to, (laughs) due to no budget, be in costume and carry their their prop weapons Mm. on their actual motorcycles to drive 
to and from set every day. They had to have letters from the production company for when they would get pulled over telling the officers why they were dressed that way. Yeah. And explaining well, they are prop guns. They are not real weapons. Like, well, promise I'm not a hooligan with the Mohawk. I'm an actor. I'm, a right, right. I'm an actor this week. We got hired to be in a movie. And, and then another thing that I learned, which I was like, oh man, Jake and I would have taken that job immediately. Mm-hmm. The extras got paid with beer. Yeah. That's all we need. Honestly. That's like, I saw that. I was like, fuck man. Yeah. Like I think there's casting agencies in Austin. Maybe I'll drive down there and just be like, <laughs> you know what? Just give me some beer from St. Arnold mm-hmm. and I'll be good. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I, I, I love the first one so much, especially because so of how low, low budget it is, how they had to do so many things to make it work. And, and, and how it ended up getting made in the first place that George Miller is this guy that wants to make this movie. He wants to tell this story and he make earns the money to do it by being a surgeon. Like he's a, <laughs> an, e, an emergency room doctor <laughs> making money and uses his knowledge of emergency room like trauma to put in the movie so that the actual like car accidents are oh, yeah, accurate the, and the gore is accurate <laughs> the injuries and all that yeah like that's great that is commitment and i i commend that a lot i think that's pretty badass mm-hmm. um obviously i'm not smart enough to go and be an er doctor to learn all this i just yeah. The 70s were a different time, folks. I, I don't know if you needed the like decade long schooling for it or <laughs> that's true. That's true. I it mean, is a wild idea though to go from being an a doctor, an emergency room doctor, sounds very legitimate. To, and like, I just want to make this movie though. Like, that's what I really want to do is make this movie. But you're saving lives. Yeah, but I can make a movie about a post-apocalyptic world where this yeah. guy named Max gets into like crazy shenanigans yeah. and has to his fight wife his and kid it. get killed and he's Dude. gotta go fuck them up okay so that first mad max has some of like the most entertaining shots a mm. couple of them are those close-ups of the the faces where the eyes are like bugged out of the skull yeah i love those shots but there's the shot when the wife and child die mm-hmm. i actually really like that's an effective shot it's just a shoe and a ball being thrown down the street right? as the biker gang continues to drive on. It happens off screen. It happens off screen, but that's effective. Rewatching mm-hmm. it and the thing about of all the times I've watched it, I'm like, you know, you get the point. Like, you yeah. don't need to watch them actually get ran down. You get the point pretty yeah. quick. And, and especially when head, you see when you see Max running down the street with no shoes on and you see them <laughs> like they're blurry uh, blobs laying on the road in front of him and he's just yeah. running as fast as he can. It, it is very effective. It's effective. And if there was one thing I think a lot of filmmakers now could take away from George Miller and the Mad Max franchise, mm-hmm. but we'll stick with the first one. All four of them, honestly, practical effects, yeah, are like way cooler. Watching all four of them, even Fury Road, which was made in 2015, 2016, 
Uh, hold on, let me scroll down. I do have it. I just I'm not in that spot. Fifteen. Yeah. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Even twenty fifteen, George Miller still used primarily all practical effects. He he used some CGI, but it's very minimal. Yeah. I think that I love it when film and you and I have talked about this a lot. Sticking with practical effects mm-hmm. lends so much to your story. It, it gives such a more uh, impact on your audience because it, your brain can tell when something's real and when it's mm-hmm. not usually. Uh, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, human beings have, evo- have like lived for thousands of years knowing what the world looks like. And it's mostly yeah. a defense mechanism to understand what is that grass real? Is there a thing there? Am I going to be killed by that? And so to try to trick somebody and be like, oh, this is, this is real. And you're like, no, it's not. I know it's not. I know the lighting is bad. I know all of this stuff. That CGI is crap. <laughs> you, you can even tell. The, even the best, you can tell very quickly that it's not real. Yeah. Especially when they transfer from like the, the original digital print to mm-hmm. home release. Even on like stream services, you can tell that transition is not as clean. But the practical effects, not just with like the big set pieces of the car crashes and explosions and all that, but filming certain things in a practical way to still have that same impact as if you like just blatantly showed it. And this is also Mm -hmm. something you and I have brought up with plenty of other films. Mm -hmm. I love that because to me, that is, it's weird to say, but that's thinking outside of the box for these filmmakers. Yeah. Because they're not, they they're choosing for the most part. I know back in the seventies, it wasn't so much a choice because there were so many limitations, but you're choosing to still be like, you know what? Yeah. I could put a whole digital mat on this, right? I could just mm-hmm. who cares? We'll do it in post. Okay. But yeah. I think it's more creative and it takes a lot more effort, m- more quality work when you figure out a way to shoot it practically. Right. Have I think that I think that human beings are much more willing to forgive when they watch a movie and it's practical and it's not perfect obviously you're still yeah. but you're but you're trying to be creative. I think they're more they're tr- we're more willing to forgive making a creative story in a creative way through these practical effects and 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 trickery and editing and things like that than they are willing to forgive CGI, uh, just version of something. It, it's right. It's it's simpler. Obviously, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of computer power, but it's not it's not as creative. It's just like kind of a cheat. I think people still feel like that, and they probably will always feel like that. It's not real. Yeah, and I I honestly have nothing really against CGI, especially when it comes to films that have to be heavy CGI use. Yeah. You, I can forgive that. Like, really, every superhero. I'm a huge comic book fan, huge comic right. book movie fan. Guess what? You kind of have to have CGI heavy worlds for these stories. Yeah. Like, you're not going to have. It just doesn't exist. It yeah. literally does not exist. They definitely have their place <laughs> where it is very good to be able to make movies about things that are impossible, literally yeah. impossible to do. That's great that you can make stories and movies about those it things. Is. And then when, but when there's films where like, 
it's a very real world where you're going to have very real things going on. It is possible Mm -hmm. to show this and the filmmakers decide to like CGI all of it. Yeah. I think audiences for the most part are kind of immediately like, Oh, all Mm -hmm. right. But then you see it, a practical version of it and audiences tend to be like, Holy fuck. Did you see that? (laughs) Yeah. There's no, there's no substitute for just strapping a camera on that thing and letting it go, go. And actually doing it. Like there's, you'll get so many details and things that people can just feel, even though they're not focusing on it, that it all adds up and they can all feel Dude, it. You brought up that scene in the first Mad Max of the car going through the trailer. You watch that mm-hmm. and yeah, immediately you and I had the same reaction of like, oh shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> like yeah. you see a guy hanging off the side of a car as it's driving over a bridge. You're like, oh shit. They hung a guy hanging off of a car <laughs> over a bridge. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just there's I, a one. In, there's a scene in the Road Warrior where they like this guy is working on a car. He's underneath it, and they like drop the car yeah. on him. And I'm like, I feel like there's a cut there, and I feel like they switched him for a dummy, maybe. But honestly, I don't care because it looks fucking cool. <laughs> Dude, it, and it's really quick, and they raise the car immediately. But you're like, that would. Man, have you ever watched movies where you're like, I wonder what that meeting was like with that actor, their manager, (laughs) their agent, where you're like, you know what we want to do? We're going to drop a car on you. Not all the way. We're just going to have Mel Gibson like lower the jack down so it sits on you. And then he's going to raise it right back up a few seconds later. What? (laughs) (laughs) No. Do I get paid extra for this? Is this a stunt? Am I a stunt? Yeah. I, <laughs> is there a dummy? Tell me there's a dummy. Yeah. <laughs> but even that just being me. under the car like that, I mean, that would still be nerve wracking of just like, what if any scenario would go through your head? I would imagine as an extra or actor mm. in general, you would have that thought. The Mad Max movies, all four of them have many moments in them where I'm like, those actors had to have been reading the script and looked at each other at one point in between takes and been like, are we, are we really, <laughs> really like we're yeah. all rubber bands. We're going to, we're going to bounce around. You're going to spin me around into the other side of the cage. Yep. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, I think that I don't, I also don't know that much about George Miller. He seems like a cool dude. He's old as crap though. I didn't yes. realize he was 77 years old. I saw a thing from Tom Hardy from 2015. He's like, I'm going to be in three more Mad Max movies. I was like, I don't think so, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was- George Miller's it's been, it's been eight years and George Miller's 77. Maybe Warner brothers or whoever is putting out these movies, but you're not. Well, I'm not. like what happened to the, uh, the Furiosa spinoff that we were supposed to be getting. What's going on with that? What's, and then yeah. like, there is on IMDb, an untitled Mad Max project. And I was like, wait a minute. Now they're doing another one. It's been like, what, six years, seven years, something like, like yeah. seven years. Yeah. I'm like, guys, yeah. Uh, Miller was old when he made Fury Road. Right. You might want to get on top of this. <laughs> yeah. Time is of the essence. I would say. <laughs> it it but, turns out that hourglass is winding down. <laughs> but to your point, I, I don't know. It, it because these movies are so different and the things that are in them are so weird and different, I think it's hard to communicate what it is. I know 
I think you've yeah. brought it up on the show before how difficult how Tom Hardy and Charlie Theron and like had conflict between each other, but Tom Hardy and and George Miller also had conflict between yeah. each other because they had like a lot of they it, it, they just didn't understand what they were doing, and I think Charlie Theron and Tom Hardy both didn't know what they were doing, what they were making. Is it, what are we? What is this? And and George Miller knew, and obviously he put it together, and they saw it at the end, and they're like, oh, I'm very surprised that it's as good <laughs> as it is, <laughs> but that's great. But it's so hard to describe this concept of a world with these war boys and random ass things going on, and it's it's I, I think that it's difficult to, to describe on a script or to just to say what yeah. it is. Yeah, I feel like... So I, I knew about the beef between Hardy and Theron when they made the film. And then I learned about like the beef between George Miller and Tom Hardy after seeing Fury Road. And it, it's weird watching Fury Road knowing that they didn't get along. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, but they work really well together. So how did yeah. they not get along? Like this doesn't make, cause they work <laughs> really well together. Like apparently <laughs> and then it was funny kind of seeing, because in the last few couple of years, they both, uh, Charlize Theron and Tom Hardy, have come out and said exactly what you said, where they were like, we were just so exhausted mm-hmm. and confused because they're, you can't properly communicate or understand mm-hmm. what the vision actually is for the story until you see the final product. And yeah. then you're watching it. And Tom Hardy talked about like watching the final cut and being like, I get it now. And then <laughs> oh, I'm to apologize. The yeah, yeah. Cause he, he did. He apologized to like George Miller and I know him and Shirley Saron uh squash whatever shit they had between each other just be like, yeah, <laughs> we just didn't get it. We didn't know yeah. what was going on. And I've thought about that this last week watching these four movies and thinking like, did anyone have any clue what they were made like the first one is the only one i think that would have been the easiest to communicate yeah what you're looking for it's a relatively clear and traditional in general yeah. storyline and story arc but that second one and then the thunderdome one like yeah when he goes from being kicked out of uh barter town and and finding the small tribe of lost children yeah like even watching it like i understand how he got to this point mm-hmm. how the fuck did we get to this point <laughs> like, yeah I myself still thinking like wait <laughs> like, yeah I, I was like <laughs> i think of beyond thunderdome and i'm like okay so you're in barter town you're in thunderdome the movie's called beyond thunderdome so something comes after this and then the best parts of the movie is when he leaves Barter Town and he's like exiled to the desert and he ends up follow, finding these essentially lost boys in the in the oasis out there. And but yeah, the the whole story about how they've just been there waiting for the the for the captain. What's his name? Captain uh, uh, Walter? Walker. Yeah, Walker. Captain Walker. Captain Walker. Waiting for him to come back or someone to come back, and they tell the story of their they tell the story of the world they know like every night so that they remember it and and through this like essentially a tv screen that yeah, they, they use made. this giant like branch 
handle thing that looks like a TV screen minus yeah. the screen. And they <laughs> use that to show the different sequences of the like cave painting versions of the history yeah. of the world post some world war. They never right. tell you what kind of war. It was just, hey, there was a war. Yeah. And, and most of it is most of it is like made up where it's like this is the picture of the fi- of the red <laughs> the lake of lake of or the river of light or whatever they call it and it's just a it's just a like a picture of these like taillights <laughs> of these cars going down the road and it's like no that's not what that is at all you're you're making up these stories of these places that never existed and this this history that's so random and trying to describe it as like this I guess I, that's part of, I think, why I like that part so much is because it's so much like human history where they're they're do, telling this oral history of, of humanity and culture and stuff, and it's passed down from generation to generation, but you don't know how much of it's actually real. It's right. like it could just, be, could just be made up. It could just be folklore. It could be whatever. You don't know. And so it's so interesting to see that kind of happen in real time where you actually know what's real and what's not in a weird way. And Max yeah. does as well. Max is like, no, this isn't that the, we had cities. That's just a city. There are tons of cities. <laughs> They're gone now. It's not a big deal. Yeah. We did have skyscrapers. We did have planes. They did fly. They did all this stuff. Uh, yeah. Like Thunderdome is, it's an interesting third part to a trilogy. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, but it's an interesting movie and I can, like, I enjoy it. I get a big kick out of Thunderdome, mm-hmm. but I'm always like, I always have that moment at some point during the movie. And it's always different where I'm like, <laughs> do I love this movie? <laughs> and then it ends and I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, I, yeah, I enjoy the movie a lot, but I, I definitely have those moments where I'm like, is this? Yeah. Okay. That's that's exactly how I feel. I I like it. I like it because it's part of this bigger thing that I like, partly I think is part of it. But it, it my main problem with Thunderdome is it does the thing that a lot of movies did in the 80s where it chooses like trying to invite an audience over what the story is. Yeah. So Including Tina Turner as like this pop star, that's so random and out of and like out of place. She's a she's an interesting character, and it's and Tina Turner does not play her badly. But the fact that she's Tina Turner and you know her and she's a pop star detracts you from it. And the way it's marketed, the tagline for the movie is "Max is back." You're like, that's great. There's a third Mad Max movie, and Tina's got him. Well, Tina's not the name of the character. <laughs> Tina doesn't have him. <laughs> right. In fact, Queen Queen Antity Entity has him, but you don't know who that is. But even even then, her character, she's an interesting character because she's marketed as like the big baddie. Mm-hmm. But she's the least effective big baddie in all four films, in my opinion, where she's just well, kind of the, the third movie doesn't really have a big baddie because True, but she's kind of i mean with master that blaster of like, master blaster <laughs> seems master like he blaster. will be and then, then he's, he's not, not. <laughs> and then uh queen auntie entity seems like she won't be she seems friendly and then she ends up being bad but she's not that big of a baddie and she's 
she's trying to maintain order in this town that she's like kind of helped yeah. raise back up. Right. It, it's, it's an interesting, I mean, the town is powered by pig shit <laughs> and I hearing them talk about methane cracks me up every time. Yeah. Cause they're like, they're pro methane. They're pro like, no, we need more pigs. We need more mm. pig shit to keep everything powered up. Well, the idea is they've like run out of gasoline and so right. they're trying to power things through methane. And they say it's like more powerful than gasoline. It and just, I don't it, buy it, honestly. It, right. But it cracks me up because I'm like, man, we live in a world where like there's a lot of people out there that hate methane because they're like, it's killing the whole world. And then <laughs> right. Thunderdome comes out and it's like, give us more. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. They didn't anticipate it that late in the early 2020s, they would be taxing people for cow farts because the methane is too high. It's unfortunate. Uh, people, that's real. Um, <laughs> yeah, Thunderdome is just, it's an odd little movie. And I think that's why I maintain my fandom of it mm -hmm. because it's so odd. It's the first, like the first Mad Max kind of hints at the weird leather outfits, but it's not too crazy. Right. The second one, the biker gang, you expect yeah. a biker gang to be in leather outfits. The second one, they kind of embellish a little bit with the leather outfits, but it, it's kind still of a little bit. He's got an assless pants. <laughs> Dude, an they assless pants, man. <laughs> humongous okay we have to talk about lord humongous for a we, second i don't know how we like jumped over the second one i think because mad max although it has a timeline yeah there's not much of a timeline. you don't have to watch them in, or it's one of those odd franchises where you could just throw one in mm -hmm. and you're not lost yeah like <laughs> you're fine you're gonna be yeah. all right i promise i I feel like the first one is definitely the first one, just because everything's green. It seems early yep. on, but from there, it's it's interchangeable. It's, it's kind it's of an anthology. It's he, Max is this traveling, like he's like the traveling cowboy, traveling yeah. gunman that just and goes around getting into trouble George, and saving children. Yeah, George Miller even said like he he's wanted the character of Max to always be that guy where. Yeah, he just moves on to the next adventure or whatever. And you don't need... I like that he's never given Max a deeper backstory. Like, mm -hmm. his family died. He snapped. He's kind of been crazed and violent ever since. Yeah. That's all you need to know. And he has moments where he's got to be the reluctant hero. Mm -hmm. And then he moves on because he's like, not getting attached to this shit. See ya. <laughs> right. <laughs> It makes sense. <laughs> right. And I really enjoy as time goes on, like I've, obviously after that first one, the first one is just setting the stage. He's a normal guy. His family dies. He kind of start, has to go a little crazy yeah. and then find a way to survive beyond that. But the rest of the movies, the other three movies, he, it, I love the, I don't know if you'd call it juxtaposition. That sounds too fancy for me to use, but I think that's right. <laughs> The, the the conflict between the fact that Max is Mad Max, he's mm -hmm. relatively insane, but he's also in a world that is insane. So 
everyone seem, is mad. He might seem like the sane one in a lot of cases it, where. And you know what? He does come across as the sane one in yeah. the majority of the cases, even in like Thunderdome when he comes across the, the lost kids. Yeah. He's the sane one. He's right. the one's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Uh, He's like, no, y'all are yeah. crazy. You're in an oasis with water. We're just going to live here. It's going to be fine. Right. Like, don't stop trying to. No, this is good. This is good. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that second one, <laughs> Road Warrior or Mad Max 2, which I yeah. think now that it has gained such a like following and popularity, now that especially Mad Max is a thing. Yeah, and even, I mean, it was very popular even before Fury Road, but Fury Road did such a great thing where instead of almost turning people off from, like, the mm -hmm. original trilogy, uh, it, like, embraced it. Yeah. And I made it made, people go back and enjoy it even more. Made, made people go back and seek it out. And like, Yeah. I've always heard of it, but I never saw it. Now I want to. Yeah, just to see how did we end up here. And... Mm -hmm. Road Warrior is like we both said earlier, man, that is the one where you're like, oh, this is mm -hmm. this is the foundation. This is where they really like George Miller really saw his vision. Yeah. And started ironing it out. Right. Right. He he knew he I think that he he had ideas with the first one. Like he had wanted to make it for a long time. Yeah. He's made all that money as a doctor trying to make it but i think he wasn't fulfilled by it it wasn't exactly what he wanted obviously when you have limited resources and you can't make it exactly what you want you're just trying to scrape by it's never going to be exactly what you want so met road warriors his chance to kind of like not start over but get closer another step closer to what you want it to be and he makes a giant leap towards that a huge leap and it, it's it's <laughs> It is, I think, so good and so clear what his vision for it is, including the the, the society and the people and the rules and the the cars and the mm -hmm. outfits and the assless pants and all this stuff. <laughs> and I was trying to get back to Lord Humongous. So Lord know, Humongous, we're, we're trying. <laughs> Humongous is actually the hero of the second movie. If you don't know, he is. This giant man and his loyal band of merry men are following him around. And he, all he wants to do is liberate the gasoline from this tiny hoarding <laughs> settlement of savages. And he has to he has to take on this merciless Max Rokotansky. What a dick that guy is. And, and Lord Humongous is just shirtless with a hockey mask with a bulging vein in his head you thought i was going to say something else but his vein in his head is what's bulging nothing else some other things are also bulging. <laughs> the but, <assless> <laughs> but yeah, i love humongous like the way not just his hockey mask but like his neck brace i guess you would call it yeah. and then his like <laughs> mr olympia muscle he's one of those obviously. guys especially for the world that mad max takes place in when you see humongous you're like you instantly know you're the bad guy like you yeah. are the guy you that don't dress is... like that unless you are in charge <laughs> of everything like you are dressed like you know how to fuck someone up yeah <laughs> like, 
don't mess with that guy. Just he's super intimidating, and the hockey mask helps with the with the intimidation. Obviously, yeah, <laughs> I am still cracking up. He got so mad. Okay, yeah the the oil refinery, the people that are in it, like I don't like them for the majority <laughs> of the story. Yeah, and it, it's such a like dumb reason. But every time I watch Roadfire, them and their like white robes and they're like mm-hmm. they're nice little we want to have a perfect society, but we're not a perfect society. Like we're still whatever. They're such pretentious like assholes. Yeah. <laughs> that immediately I'm like, eh. I hope I hope <laughs> one of you at least gets bitch slapped. Like, yeah. <laughs> like someone get hit. Max hit him. Oh, he did. <laughs> okay, we're good. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of that's why I like max i like mad max because he just kind of travels around he kind of finds himself in places he's not part of it like he's never gonna be part of it he never joins that anybody's group he just happens to be there and they try to get him to do stuff for them in every movie but he he just kind of does his own thing so i don't fault him for being there with him and helping him out no they are kind of dicks and he always even when he like joins quote unquote uh, the Mm. group or whatever he's not actually siding with them the majority of the time he has his own like it's Mm. a deal i will help you do this but you have to give me this in return otherwise there's no deal so it's never uh because it's never a for the cause mentality when it comes to to max it's always a what's in it for me which Normally would not help your your title hero character, <laughs> but it does work for the character of Max because of the world that he's set in where it, it really is. You have to figure out your own survival. You can't. Yeah. Like, this is the world now. Mm. And every group that he is forced to help, they usually fall apart pretty <laughs> quick. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's almost and I like think he, as a point. <laughs> he wouldn't help them, I think, most of the time, except for the kids. So yeah. a thing I was noticing more this time than ever, maybe I have fatherhood on the brain, which is very probable. But <laughs> I'd say it's a certain thing. <laughs> but I noticed Max is an interesting character because he obviously lost his wife and child in the mm-hmm. first movie. That's a big reason why he's gone mad or, you know, allegedly gone mad. He, but he, throughout the rest of his time, he travels around and for the most part becomes kind of a surrogate father to other children that he comes in a contract with. Like to at least a couple of them, the feral child in road warrior, yeah. all of the, those uh, kids in the, in the Oasis in uh, Thunderdome. Like he, he just kind of, feels a responsibility to help them and ends up saving them in pretty much every movie, I would say. Yeah, yeah. he saves... You know, come to think of it, I just watched him. <laughs> I don't think he loses any kids. Well... Yeah, the only one that... The ones that I would say that you I mean, could Fury argue, Road, he, he, he loses. In Fury Road, he definitely... Um, has those visions also of these people he has lost or not saved or the kid, that one uh, girl or whatever that he wasn't able to save. So he, there are people that he is, but that's life, honestly. Um, Yeah. And he's not, 
he's not super broken up about all of it. It just, it it kind of adds fuel to like, well, maybe not add fuel, but it's like Max has accepted or kind of thinks of it as, I guess, kind of a a punishment or whatever. Like he's got to keep going on knowing that he failed some, some people, Mm -hmm. but it, it's not a punishment that breaks him. It just kind of, keeps pushing him forward. So he's like, he grunts most of the time. I mean, road warrior, I think he only has like 50 lines total in the whole film. Yeah. Um, Most of his movies, he has very little dialogue. Yeah. Like the dialogue, which I actually really like. It's weird. Cause normally I'm a very, like I'm a big fan of dialogue. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of have to chuckle at myself that (laughs) I'm a big fan of a franchise where dialogue is not, a big deal. <laughs> yeah. But you also like, you like Westerns a lot. And I think this yeah. plays into that aesthetic where he's just the strong, silent cowboy that rolls into town, this gunfighter that, that kind of like Shane, where he like has this kid that looks mm-hmm. up to him. He takes care of him and then moves on. And, uh, and the road warrior is a lot like uh, the Alamo too, where they have like this city where they're just kind of like trying to hold off these, attacks from the from humongous and all his uh, marauders and then uh or like uh what uh, fear roads kind of like stagecoach where they have like all of the they're on the run and they're in this trucks and all this stuff and these uh guys are trying to catch them and, and kill them and stuff so it's just it's a that archetype of a hero cowboy they don't have to say a lot they do more mm-hmm. through action than through words, I think. And it, and it totally works. I have to correct myself. Uh, it's in my notes. I said he had like 50 total lines of dialogue. I am way wrong. <laughs> and, and Road Warrior, he has 16. Oh, wow. That's way less. Lines of dialogue and two of them. So you could almost say he actually has 15, but they're mm. counting this line twice, is I only came for gasoline. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's way less you might be thinking of uh fury road i think he is a little yeah i think i'm thinking of normal. fury road which is which is that's even funny to he... say that he's got like 50 lines because they're usually like mm. yeah. yeah he Stop does it. a lot more over there he does a lot more uh narration in fury road which yeah. i really like um, we don't have to talk about Fury Road yet, but Fury Road, yeah, I said Fury Road, Fury Road yet, but I do really like how you get more of an insight into his psyche in Fury Road because mm-hmm. he does the narration. He talks about what he's thinking, who he is, like kind of gives you that backstory. So you you feel like he is more mad. He's more yeah. crazed or crazy than you do in the other movies. He seems relatively normal, well, honestly. It- it, it also helps that he eats a two-headed lizard, yeah, without cooking. I mean, that, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, you gotta be a little a little nuts to do that. But we will get to Fury Road. I know, <laughs> like Jake and I have a lot to say about Fury Road, folks. Oh Don't worry. <laughs> Obviously, we have a lot to say about all of them. I, I love in the second in the Road Warrior. I love like the whole thing with the music box. I think it's just a, a nice mm-hmm. little touch. I like that the music box is gone. It's literally just the sound piece <laughs> that yeah. he's got. Uh, it's, I love that little detail. I think it adds more weight to 
the state of the world around them. I love the feral kid. Mm-hmm. It's like a love hate relationship with this feral kid. <laughs> yeah. Cause he annoys me. Yeah. But at the same time, watching that kid chuck that fucking massive boomerang <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> I always laugh because I haven't seen that many. Obviously this is one of the most successful Australian movies of all time. But to see a kid with a boomerang unironically throwing a boom, like throwing a boomerang in an Australian movie, it kind of makes me chuckle because I'm like, yeah, that's it's, not a thing that like, I always thought that that was a thing that happened in cartoons more than real life. The, <laughs> the boomerangs weren't a real thing that worked. Not only does he got a, a boomerang, but it's the same size as the kid, essentially. Yeah. And it's like metal. It's like it's laid on it. He'll like. <laughs> He fucks that girl's face up and then cuts off the guy's fingers. I'm he like, cuts oh, off the dude's fingers. <laughs> I'm into this boomerang. It is a legit right. weapon. And the kid like grunts and growls the whole time, which leads into a fan theory about Fury Road that got debunked by George Miller. But it's still a fun fan theory about Fury Road. Oh, the one where uh, they thought that Max in Fury Road was the feral kid from. Yeah. Yeah. Because which his is grunting is almost identical hmm. uh but george I, I, came out and I was like, like max's dialogue in fury road kind of demunks it on its own right well and then it, it helps that george miller came out and was like no that's max like yeah mel gibson is old now <laughs> he's a little too old for this shit yeah <laughs> watching fury road i can't imagine gibson being tied to the front of a car or like <laughs> yeah. yeah having to dive through a, a tanker truck and I'd maybe maybe Gibson in the early nineties. Hell yeah, he'd do it, but he's right. old now. Right. Anyways, um yeah, fucking feral kid. That <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say as much as I love this, if there was ever let me find the words real quick. Okay. <laughs> All right, I got it. Okay. I'm breathless with anticipation. I know. So <laughs> bear with me. Okay. When I was married, my wife hated movies from the 80s for okay. the primary reason of the 80s hairstyles drove mm. her crazy. They were way too distracting for her to yeah. like big focus hair on metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to always give her shit for it, right? I'm watching Road Warrior. <laughs> Film Kid's <laughs> hair is as big as he is. <laughs> <laughs> there's feral kids hair <laughs> like everyone's hairstyle for the most part yeah. plenty of times during that movie and thunderdome where i'm like yeah yeah i get it warrior Those hairstyles woman are uh, tina wow. turner yeah. <laughs> max's hairstyle for two-thirds of thunderdome is like dude yeah that is this is wild. <laughs> yeah, you were grateful when he gets the cut. <laughs> you are. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. But the feral kid's hairstyle is one of the most distracting, entertaining, what the fuck is this kind of movie moment for me? Because you're just like, yeah. yeah, his hair is the same size as his whole body. <laughs> right, like, right. It's a fucking mane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a he's an interesting kid or an interesting character his like he's he's definitely lives up to being feral where he's just like yeah. this kid that is like a wild animal that doesn't really talk and but takes a shining to max and follows him around and tries to 
escape with him on the truck and all this stuff. And, and they literally tell him to shoo. Yeah. The whole like, shoot, get out of here. Yeah. Like, they just kind of tolerate <laughs> that he's there. They don't, nobody really loves him. Like they're not trying to raise him or anything. I, I love the, uh, the pilot mm-hmm. that gets mixed up in all of it. And it, it, I always forget that it's this guy. And then I rewatch Mad Max and I go, oh, yeah, look at that. It's the train guy from Matrix. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the same actor. And it cracks me up every time because they're so polar opposite. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. I was like, oh, look at him. He's funny in this movie. Yeah. But you see, Jake, he's funny. He's bumbly. He's kind of accident prone. He's kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. But the humor he lends to the film works. It's not forced. He doesn't feel completely out of place. It's yeah. like, you know, the the comedic sidekick done correct. Fuck you, Judge Dredd. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> oh, I see where you're going, man. I was like, are you trying to dig on the Matrix? I don't understand no, what you're doing. Just, man. You should know by now. I'm going to yeah. take any opportunity I have to just. <laughs> just read is fine. Let's move on. So <laughs> do you, I, I do like the, the helicopter guy uh, in, in Road Warrior for sure. And his, his whole like arc. And it reminds me of uh, one of my favorite scenes from Road Warrior is where Max has been carrying around this shotgun from the very beginning. This like short shot off, sawed off double barrel shotgun, but doesn't have any ammunition for it. And so they end up mm-hmm. finding him and the helicopter guy end up finding like one shell yeah. and he pops it in. And I love that because at that point, the power dynamic changes you, you are excited for him to use it. Uh, you're like, okay, that's going to happen. You're going to use it. You only get one chance though. So you can't mess it up. And then when it ends up failing on him and misfires, <laughs> it's so anticlimactic, but I, I love it so much. It, it's so, like a – sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, just that whole concept and, and that whole thing in the world where this stuff feels scarce. Like you get yeah. the idea that ammunition is scarce, gasoline is scarce, food and water and everything is scarce. And so it, it works so well. I See, it. I, I love that scene. It makes me laugh every time because – it's like such an anti-Hollywood moment because mm-hmm. there's always the trope in Hollywood, especially action films where you get that one shot, make it count. And it's always the yeah. big moment, huge climax. Oh, Road Warrior comes along. You're like, oh, my God, he's got the shell that's got it. And then it misfires. You're like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. I think changing things up a little bit and then it it does add to the scarcity and how like you can't really rely on anything in this world Mm -hmm. at all. And what you do have right now, like you, I mean, Max understands his car is probably going to fail at some point or get crashed at some point. And it does. Right. Usually pretty quick. (laughs) And the thing that you should know, you should be learning now at the point where gasoline is expensive and we're heading into the apocalypse. This is a little, (laughs) history or a educational <laughs> moment for you. Jake and I are full of moments for you guys tonight. <laughs> An educational moment is gasoline expires. Perfectly good gasoline. You can't just leave it forever. 
it will expire and stop working. It gets clumpy. It just gets bad. So the fact that that all of this stuff in Road Warrior and beyond happened and went downhill so quickly, but gasoline is still good. Uh, I find that entertaining as well. Where <laughs> yeah. They can they can make it work at least until the point where you get to Thunderdome and they have to use pig shit methane. But the fact you you need to know gasoline expires. Well, they've even proven like you know the joke is Twinkies will never expire. No, they do. Yeah, they get kind of gross, folks. Like everything, everything expires. Everything's got an expiration date. Hate to break it to everyone, but entropy it does. Yeah. Man, that was our downer moment. Uh, yeah. Don't trust the world around you. So, yeah, Thunderdome <laughs> comes along. <laughs> uh, the, the, the other thing I was going to say about Road Warrior, though, we, we didn't talk at all about the beginning. And I, Sorry. I Sorry. honestly really love the beginning. It might be one of my favorite parts because I it's partly out of necessity where not everybody saw Mad Max at this point. They're releasing mm -hmm. Road Warrior or Mad Max 2 more, more worldwide. So they do some recapping, and I really like that. But the way they do it, where it's like a four-by-three screen, everything's kind of tight in as if you're watching on TV. Kids, back in the day, the TVs <laughs> and computers and everything was in this four-by-three <laughs> ratio format where everything was close in. That's what this was like. So it's like watching like an old film reel or some news That was reel. such a... Uh... Uncle Jake is going to teach you. <laughs> Gather around the campfire. Gather around the radio for a you fireside chat. Octave, you got real close to the <laughs> microphone. Like, <laughs> but I love that because it is. It is for me. I'm old enough to remember what a film reel is, and so I, or a news reel. And I for it to be in that tight format for and the audio is recorded in mono, so it's it just feels. They're going through their events of the first movie. They're going through the events of the world. So it's like the historical, the, these wars and these gas shortages and all these things have happened. I love that. But I especially love it when they blow it up and it goes yeah. full widescreen. The audio comes into stereo all of a sudden. Um, and there's a like jet engine sound, whatever that is. Ooh. And it's so, it, it is so effective of like, boom, we're in it, you know? I kind of can't. I had this thought, same same opening, you know, where, yeah, they're giving you the recap. If you had seen the first one, it's a recap. If you never heard of that first one, it's a, uh, backstory. Like a prologue backstory. Yeah, just kind of gearing yeah. you up for what you're going to see. But you know what it reminded me of? And this will be the only time watching movies that we're going to get this is when you go to the theater now. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if it's every theater, but like the Cinemark theaters do the thing where you go to the theater and they show you the tiny screen of a film mm -hmm. and they flat out tell you, like, if you're watching a movie like this still, you, you should probably stop. And I mean, they give you like yeah. this whole speech and as they talk, the screen gets bigger. But the audio, that was the one thing that I really caught on rewatching Road Warrior because the audio and like the theater when they do that and for Road Warrior are kind of the same idea. Where it starts off so small, so mono, and then as it blows up, the stereo kicks in until it's like completely revealed, and then it's loud and it's yeah cinematic. Yeah. And it was fun watching Road Warrior this week again, and just having that thought of like, oh, this is like when I go to the theater now. Like I, I'm sure it had no 
bearing on the Cinemark making that decision. Yeah. But that would be kind of cool if, like, the CEO or president of the Cinemark Theater, AMC, whatever, mm-hmm. had that thought of, like, you know, it would be fun. Let, mm-hmm. let's, let's just copy this because it's effective. And it is. I do like that opening a lot. And I, I like the... uh like the black and white stuff that they do with it, just kind of that old school yeah. uh, reel. And it's okay. You didn't have to correct yourself when you, when you said film reel <laughs> kids movies used to be shot on film. <laughs> well, if your name's Christopher Nolan, it still is <laughs> right. <laughs> well, no, didn't I think he shot tenant digitally now. I think, Oh, did he? I think he did, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, no, the, it, it was film. Yeah. That's what the it's, phrase we're going to film this. Yes. From. That's like, if you look at our logo, those are <laughs> film reels on a projector on a projector, shine light through the film. And that's how you got your picture. lenses. All right. Let's move on. In all sorts of shit tonight. Woo! <laughs> yeah. It won't help you when the apocalypse happens. <laughs> no. So don't worry about it. Well, I don't know. The gasoline expires. That's the thing you need to know. <laughs> and you know what? Mad Max might be onto something. Just don't wear assless chaps in life. That's <laughs> weird. All I don't right? know who thinks that's a good idea. If you're if you're <laughs> a henchman and you get a job and you're issued this uniform, maybe it's his choice. That's a possibility. But I assume this is his uniform. What's his name? Wes or some shit? You are you are given this uniform. Yeah, Wes the henchman with the yeah. pink hair mohawk. He's the henchman for uh, Humongous. You know you're going to yeah. have some wild shit when this jacked dude with no shirt. I mean, shirt he's a little a, crazy. Yeah. You're in, a, you're in for some some wild action. But he gives you these pants and you put them on. And you're like, there's a draft in here. <laughs> and you realize there's no, butt, there's no back on your pants. Your butt's hanging out. Who thinks this is a good idea for a job well, see, to like okay. have this? But you're also... You're skipping another part of the wardrobe decisions in the <laughs> Mad Max world. Mm-hmm. Assless chaps are one thing, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> why the black leather? Have you ever worn leather on a warm day? I've I've worn leather, but I've never been in the desert, and I would never want to be. Never want to be. We all watch Friends. We know what happens when leather <laughs> gets like hot and sweaty. It's bad, right? Yeah. yeah. But I also have to laugh because on top of the assless chaps or underneath the assless chaps, like you're either going commando or you. <laughs> we are know Wes walking. is going commando. <laughs> but then there's other like characters that are like only wearing like man thongs and mm-hmm. as some. TMI. Jockstraps. Uh, I like comfort. So thongs yeah. are not. <laughs> I can't imagine that they'd be. I never needed to know that you don't wear a thong. I don't know. But I, I don't know. I guess I'm glad I know this. <laughs> I just like watching these movies. I was like, man, it's not just that guy that's got the assless chaps and yeah. like just showing this ass out. It's like everyone except yeah. Max. Max is the only one that stays fully clothed mm-hmm. like in, in his attire decisions. Right. Uh, Road Warrior also has those random comical 
well, the one comical like sex scene in it where like the couple's out, <laughs> the right? Isn't it Roadwork? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the, Max is driving and he runs in their tent and like pulls it off. And yeah, there's just a couple having sex inside. And the guy's <laughs> face is my favorite. I don't even know what the woman looks like because I'm looking at this guy's face and he's just like, what happened? <laughs> he's so funny. Makes me laugh every time. Yeah. I. I always completely forget that's in it because I even like I'm watching the movies and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I wonder if Monica would get a kick out of this, at least <laughs> for the action sequences. Right. Yeah. She might. And then that popped up and I was like, oh, my God, I forgot about that. Like you look on IMDb and it's like, you know, they give you the rating reasons, but sex mm -hmm. and nudity are never a part of the rating reasons. Oh, so yeah. you just kind of like. Okay, it's got to be appropriate. It says mild, which means someone makes out or right. whatever. Nope, there's... <laughs> they're on top of each other. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Fully nude, previously in a tent, now in public. <laughs> yeah, no longer. But yeah, the wardrobe decisions in Mad Max... You gotta wonder, like, does George Miller, like, have a thing for dominatrix <laughs> stuff or BDSM? Like, because that's what the majority yeah. of the outfits kind of look like and it's a lot like the Wachowski's wardrobe decisions for the Matrix series was mm. it, it's all very dominatrix based it's very like odd decisions for the apocalypse so folks I, I gotta right. say yeah. odd decision I don't see that becoming the actual aesthetic as cool yeah. as a humongous is and he is peak <laughs> apocalypse aesthetic I don't see that just being the general I, style. That's that's a very specific choice for one man. Yeah, and I I also try to figure out like how would those conversations go about in this world, like mm -hmm. whether it's humongous or if it's like uh, uh, Tina Turner's character Aunt what's Auntie her name? Entity. That one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, do you have a meeting with your your henchman and you go, you know what? <laughs> You're all going to wear leather. It's mm. got to be black. You guys are going to have giant like feathers on poles behind your head. Right. Uh, I need attached to your back. Like constantly. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, Don't everyone's go through any have small doorways. Spikes or studs on them. Everyone needs this. It's like hot topic mm -hmm. in the early 2000s. Was <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. This is cool. I promise. <laughs> It'll be a thing, I swear, but we gotta wait a few years, all right? It's definitely not gonna stop being cool in about five minutes. I was trying to find, like, any fun tidbits on the wardrobe decisions. Yeah. I can't find any. It's almost like Mad Max is this weird aesthetic where they just, everyone accepts it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay, we, we got black leather in the Australian wasteland. Yeah, good. To I go. mean, it's it's like the Matrix. <laughs> it just works for that thing, and it and does. It shouldn't. Yeah. It shouldn't work at all, but it does. Yeah. And then we go to Thunderdome. Do you have any more on uh, Road Warrior? No, we can move on to Thunderdome. All right. <laughs> I feel like we've been bouncing around a bunch. Yeah, there's no. I'm like, just telling what we're gonna do. I'm just excited to get to Fury Road. I am too. I'm, I'm to move, excited. Move it along. All four move of them. Along. I love. All of these movies, but Fury Road is just something special. The wild uh, thing about Thunderdome is as 
it's PG thirteen partly where yeah I I'm not a giant stickler but I do feel like partly because I'm already aware of the fact that Tina Turner is in it they're using her name they're trying to bring a more broad audience so to also make a PG thirteen feels like more of that and so that makes me less like excited I guess the the fact that they put so much around Tina Turner it almost feels like the PG 13 was a part of her contract. Now I, yeah. I did try to find like confirmation of that, but there's really not. Mm-hmm. So I'm just talking out of my ass, but my opinion is yeah, she had a say of like, yeah, I'll do the movie, but I want to make sure my fan base can come and see her kids can come and see it. Right. I don't want to be this one. You know, I'm already playing this kind of, uh, leader corrupted leader of this town yeah who justice system is a cage match to the death (laughs) (laughs) yeah you don't want to be if you're a pop star of that time you don't want to find yourself in a violent post-apocalyptic world that's too crazy you kind of want to control that i will give some credit she doesn't sing any point in the film. So I give credit that that because usually when like a musician. Yeah. Guest stars in a film. It's like, oh, she'll do the theme song. Also, they're going to sing whether it's the theme song or they're going to sing in the film or they're going to play in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of nice that Tina Turner doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, bust out, keep on. Or, or, what is it? Uh, rolling down the river or whatever. I have no idea. Uh, any of her songs. <laughs> Don't but I, to- I totally agree with you. I, yeah. I also am very glad that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. The first time I sat down to watch Thunderdome, I remember mentally preparing myself <laughs> for her to bust out into song at some point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just, it's going to annoy you. Just what? Like, it won't be for the whole film. Yeah. And then it never happened. I was like, okay, we're good with that. We're, we're good with this. We're good with this. All right. <laughs> yeah. It, it, also, if you're going to have a, famous person sing a movie theme song you're never going to be as good as seal singing kiss from a rose and batman versus robin you're just never going to be on that um, level that I'm is the sorry. best of all time the goat wow wow <laughs> hot wow. take oh no <laughs> let's move on. i i i can't believe you are saying seals kiss from a rose is better than like uh name one better song skyfall that doesn't count. I didn't know who Adele was until then. Boom! An actual musical star. Name an Adele song after Skyfall or before Skyfall. Do, like every one of her songs? That doesn't count. Name one. You don't know any of them. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank, but I blame the beer. You're like, I'm sure she's made music. Any Dude, of her songs. How do you not know Adele music? You know Adele music. I know one song, but I'm not no, going to give it to you. No, you know way more than just one. If you heard some of her music, you'd be like, oh, she did that one. Oh, she does that one too? I oh, know shit, Skyfall, she does and I know, I know Hello, that one song she did. Okay, well, that's two. You just proved yourself wrong. Skyfall and Hello, those are the only two songs. And, and I wasn't going to give you Hello to not prove you right that you, you don't know another well, song. Well, I just said Rolling in the Deep. I don't know what that is. You might have. If you heard it, you would know it. If you heard rolling in the people, help me out, (laughs) bitch. Let you know what at Jake with all Adele's hits. Okay. (laughs) How do you not know? 
fan. I I li- listen to Seal exclusively. Is what I'm saying. Name any other song by Seal. Okay, I don't know any other Seal songs because "Kiss from a Rose" is the best one. So why would I bother? I feel like I do know one or two other Seal songs, but I can't think of it off the top of my head because I, I just start, I just started this bit and I don't know how to get out of it. I don't even like. I'm trying to remember how that song goes. Come on. You know. You're just scatting now. You don't even know. All right. Let's move on. We're sorry, everyone. Little sidetracked. I don't know how we get out of this hole we just dug. Yeah, like I like I said, I don't know how to get out of this bit. Um so Tina Turner is in Thunderdome. Oh yeah, Tina Turner is in Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leaves. Two men enter, one man leaves. I also want to know, and it's it's not just with Thunderdome, but like there's been a handful of movies with kind of these like sub societies or whatever, mm-hmm. where they all chant like a certain right. law or philosophy, whatever, and they do it in Thunderdome of the two men enter, one man leaves. And I find myself also thinking, like, when did that become a thing? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, who did she sit down with her team and tell them, you go around and you tell everyone, right? This is what we do. This is our ritual now. Yeah. <laughs> or did that guy in the like with the baton and the like tuxedo and the cape and everything, he's like, okay, repeat after me. And then after a few months, they didn't have to say repeat after me. They just started doing that. Or or was it like the slow clap guy who's not in Thunderdome, <laughs> but that, that principal where one day yeah. he was like, two men enter, one man leaves. And people thought, oh, that's cool. No. So the thing is, it I, I do kind of think it could be organic because I have been, and I know you have been to wrestling matches. And I so knew you were going to bring this up. Thunderdome reminds me very much of a WWE, WWF, any sort of wrestling match. And that is a thing that happens. People will chant. People will count. The fact Dude. that people are okay. counting in Thunderdome, I'm like, that. that is absolutely a wrestling thing. You know what? I agree with you. Primarily and pretty much only based on the fact that I have fallen into that mindset. Yeah. You were there to watch it happen to me. I went to a wrestling show with you and Christy (laughs) and I was having a blast people watching. Dude. Yeah. It takes, if you heard one or two people chant something, you start immediately doing it. Like we heard the, the countdown where, you know, they, they get two. out of the pen at two and the yeah. whole crowd yells two. I think I heard it twice, maybe even once, and yeah. had that thing in my brain click where it was like, oh, you're okay, going to do that. This is a thing we're, we're doing, doing now. This. We're, yeah. we're doing it. You better do it. And I did it. And I remember you and Christy got a big kick out of it. I know Christy was like, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a thing. So I'll agree with you on that one. The part yeah. where like, uh, Blaster is doing the chops. He's chopping Max in the chest, and everybody on the outside is counting like one, two. I was like, <laughs> we wrestling fans count chops constantly. Like this is a wrestling movie. 
Dude, you know what move in that cage fight is? I'm like, this is fucking brutal. Hmm. And it has nothing to do with blood. It's just blunt force trauma. <laughs> is Blaster standing on top of Max mm-hmm. and jumping on him? Using yeah. the, the bands as like the pulley system and then just falling on him? Every yeah. time I'm like, I mean, there's Ow. no blood. Ouch. But wow. Yeah. That would. There's a big guy. Big that's kid. a big guy. That's a lot of human. That's yeah. like all of his weight is falling on you repeatedly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oof. Oof. <laughs> oof. Yeah. <Big laughs> you know, like, I don't know how you would breathe after that. <laughs> oof. <laughs> yeah, when when they throw them in there and they're like, you need to get to the weapons and then there's no other rules. You just kill each other. That's all you have to do. I, I When I, fr- I first saw it, I remember I was like, okay, so they're up on the ceiling. They're on these like ropes. So the weapons must be on the ground. And then they like do all the trapeze rubber yeah. band action that happens. And I was, and they get to the ground. I'm like, okay, go get a weapon. And they don't. I'm like, where the heck are all these weapons? <laughs> and then they like have to like catapult them up to the ceiling to find one and grab one. And I was like, this is awesome. Like I, <laughs> I was so excited for this. And the fact that you kind of end up with random shit, like you either get a hammer or an axe or Max gets that uh, chainsaw, which seems that- like it'd be perfect. Especially but it doesn't start all that well. <laughs> yeah, in a society that loves gasoline and motors and things like yeah. that, you're like, this will be perfect. And then they put like a tiny bit of gasoline in it and it lasts for two seconds. So it, it's it's so fun how that goes from being like a liability where he can't get it started and then he gets it started and he's like, this is great. I'm going to, he like the tides turn and then, <laughs> right. it, and then it runs out of gas and he like, all of a sudden is useless again. That I love that sequence. It's a really fun sequence. Yeah. Now I have to, I always forget that the whole cage match, the whole first part of Thunderdome, mm-hmm. it, it all happens because of a, uh, political assassination plot (laughs) yeah Yeah, you don't expect that against master uh if you haven't watched thunderdome just Mm. google master blaster mad max i mean if you only google master (laughs) blaster you're probably going to get something different no telling what you're going to (laughs) get um i'm doing it right now just to. oh no i get a bunch of like dumb like parts like oh and there's a there's a oh wait if you go to images you see master blaster right away there's also oh, okay. a, a stevie wonder song called master blaster jamming <laughs> oh, there's stevie wonder with huh. his glasses that's right. hilarious <laughs> <laughs> sure he's not uh, good steel probably, steel, oh my god <laughs> anyway master blaster I'm gonna have to listen to that. but just, master blaster is a it. yeah just google it um and if you can find a short clip of Master talking, yeah, it might be some of the most infuriating dialogue. <laughs> but then at the same time, it doesn't infuriate me anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I laugh at it now, but that's because I'm a giant fan of The Office. And bear with me again. Okay. Do you remember the episode where Kevin decides to try and shorten 
all of his sentences yeah. to save time. And Holly thinks he's uh, mentally disabled. Yeah. yeah. So when Master talks, you have to think of Kevin shortening his words to save time, but it yeah. just wastes so much and makes he's everything trying so to be efficient, but then he has to re explain <laughs> everything that he's that's, saying. That's exactly how Master talks. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's how it is. So it's <laughs> infuriating. Until I remember that's how Kevin tries to talk in one episode and I go, okay, we're okay. We're yeah. okay. Everyone around him understands, like, you're an idiot. Uh, yeah. Now, what I really don't understand is how Master goes from being this, like, grimy, actually has all the power, mm -hmm. not bad guy, but kind of a dickhead. To like, There's a power struggle between him and anti-entity. Yeah. He's like... He he seems to control the methane factory, and so he puts it, it, it any sign of does yeah any sign of like insubordination. He's like, I'm putting an embargo on it, shutting the whole system down until you apologize, say I run everything, all this stuff. And uh, I mean, it's a power move. He's a dickhead. Yeah, but it's a power move that's effective. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, all right. Uh, yeah. And he certainly runs more important uh, systems than she does. She's just yeah. like the queen of the city, which doesn't, she doesn't She's do like much. the face. She's yeah. whatever. She shows up to Thunderdome and waves and smiles and that's about it. So that's, that's fair. And then she tells people that is law. Traitor. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But I'm, I always like, I found myself not just with how did we go from higher political assassination attempt to like lost children in an oasis to war in Barter Town. And then also to how did Master get all like prim proper? Where the fuck did this like tweed <laughs> suit come from? Yeah. <laughs> how are him and Max like. Max is saving him now. What yeah. the hell? They're like teaming up. <laughs> They're on a train together. <laughs> Thunderdome is full of moments where you're like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's it's wild. It gets pretty it wild. It is wild. But the whole, I love the ending of Thunderdome. The whole like final sequence, the chase with the train. Oh, that's the best um, part. You Dude, watch an hour. Awesome. You watch an hour and twenty minutes, and you are enjoying it. It's a it's a good movie, but there's no cars. Nobody's driving. Nobody's going anywhere. Max is walking in the desert. They they're in a town, and Max is walking through the desert. That's all that happens. You get an hour and twenty minutes in. You got twenty minutes left, or whatever, and. Then they get in the cars. Max is on a train. They're driving. I'm like, okay, now it's a Mad Max movie. You, you got a guy who can't die. He's been blown up. He's mm -hmm. been dropped off of several vehicles at this point. And the fucker is still alive until yeah. they like drop him off at the train. But it's <laughs> like, and even then, I'm still not. I've watched all four. He doesn't come back. I'm not convinced that guy actually dies. He could, but, could be alive for sure. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, that whole chase sequence, again, where, like, you're watching Thunderdome, and I do enjoy it. It's full of, like, just so so many odd decisions and storytelling moments. But then that, that final act comes up with the big chase, 
you know, mm-hmm. we've got Auntie chasing him out because she's like, you fucked up everything I had. Yeah. Demolished like their whole town. But then she she doesn't kill Max. She's just like, okay, Raggedy Man. <laughs> and then they turn around. She's like, we will yeah. rebuild. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, like after he helps the kids, there is. <laughs> the kids like escape on the airplane thing, and he yeah. helps them get away. But oh, and we get our helicopter pilot comes back, but they never actually acknowledge that it's the same guy. You just kind mm. of like it's assumed the audience understands it's the same dude. He's just yeah. a dad now, and they kind of give you a decent time jump where like his kid is like six or seven years old now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, so he had time to, like, impregnate the chick from the second movie. They had this trial. <laughs> she obviously didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, single dad out in the desert. But he's back. He's got a couple. Well, he's got his plane. I always feel bad for his plane. Because <laughs> they're like, there's too much weight. Max is just like, all of your shit is gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, Sorry, got to take all these kids. <laughs> these kids. Those kids. But I do, I, man, I love that whole ending. And it's, I love Max's, like, separation. I love mm-hmm. how he gives them enough runway space. Just driving that car straight into the into Yeah. Like, that's badass. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Max's, like, sacrifice, ultimately, where he he wants, he doesn't want to help, but he always ends up choosing yeah. to help, I guess. The Thunderdome, it gets mocked a lot, and I will mock it a lot. I will continue to mock it a lot because it, yeah. it's easy. Uh, it's a, it's better, though, than I think it gets credit for. It's still mm-hmm. not the best in the series, but it's by far not the... like. It, it's not a bad movie. It's right. just... It's so weird. Yeah, it it, it <laughs> is weird. The whole series in general, we kind of talked about at the beginning, but... The first one has to kind of start out at the beginning. The second one is mm-hmm. so good. Third one comes back down a little bit just because it's, it's I don't know, it's trying different things. It's just not as good as the well, first one, and it can't be as good as the last one. The last one's incredible. Yeah. So it just does like this weird motion, but it, they're all still really good in their own way. And I always appreciate how Thunderdome has just injected itself into the culture. Like people know if you tell somebody we're going to have a Thunderdome, they know what that means. Everyone is Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leave. Everybody knows. (laughs) Like everyone. Yeah. It's one of the, it's become such a like pop culture, like iconic thing. Even if you've never watched the movie. Yeah. They might people might not know that it's two men enter, one man leaves, but they understand Thunderdome means like, oh, it's a fight. Oh, yeah. we're gonna do this. Like cage match is going down, cage match, which is kind of funny that <laughs> this like weird, mm-hmm. just post-apocalyptic film with Tina Turner guest yeah. starring Australian has movie like, from the eighties. <laughs> right, has become this this thing. Uh, well, at least one part of this whole movie, because the Thunderdome is right. honestly, it, it's, I think it might be less than five minutes. Yeah, like, I was going to say two, <laughs> maybe three minutes. It's very short lived in the film, but it's such a great setup and it is memorable. I, 
I forgot about like the sign they have for it where it says Thunderdome that's mm-hmm. all lit up and then it says live. The yeah. live cracked me up because it's like no shit. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not on television. <laughs> this isn't like the Tonight Show or something. <laughs> right. But I I I think it's interesting and kind of telling to the I guess popularity or the the following for the Mad Max trilogy, the first trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh people just know what it is. It gets referenced a lot. You know, we were talking about it earlier in this episode of like the last, the joke for the last few years or one of them has been, when are we just going to go Mad Max on the world? Like when should we get our leather and studs now? Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting that it's maintained. I mean, this was like, it started in 72, 17, 79, nine, 79. Yeah. Okay. It was seven years off. Uh, <laughs> but some, something from 1979 that was so low budget. No one knew of Mel Gibson didn't even actually like mean to be in the movie. Did you know this? No, his sister was auditioning for the film. He just drove her to the audition. He looked all fucked up. Okay. And they asked him to come back in a couple weeks, like a couple weeks later to, to read, he shows back up, not looking fucked up. And they're like, Oh, I guess you can read for this other part. Uh, Why was he <laughs> fucked up? Uh, I think I want to say he got in like, a, it was either a car wreck or he got in a fight. It's one of those classic um, Australian thing to just get in a fight and walk around <laughs> fucked up. Kind of makes you think of like that South park episode about Russell Crowe. Yeah. Did you ever see that episode? Fighting around the world. <laughs> Fighting around the world. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. but i just that trilogy it's so cool to me and i it's one of those things of like praising these uh filmmakers or these artists of like you you took something so odd and original a different take on this whole yeah genre and it's become huge i mean it's iconic it's yeah who would have thought right cj Assless Champs were apparently a good choice. <laughs> Not a bad choice, that's for sure. And even if it's just for the <laughs> ventilation for that poor man in the desert. <laughs> just for ventilation. <laughs> <laughs> you might need it. But you're absolutely right. It, it, it is iconic. And it's it's crazy that these three movies from the 80s, I mean, 79 is basically the 80s. Yeah. Three movies from the 80s became so big. And then it was 30 years before we got Fury Road. And the world had basically not expected any Mad Max thing ever again. Like, it's not like, especially from that creator. Like, you can expect reboots and things like that to happen. But from the original guy who had this vision in Australia on a low budget to make this movie, to come back in 2015 and make Fury Road... And to make it everything that it could possibly be, to make it perfect, honestly, is incredible. And the crazy thing about Fury Road to me, especially, we we rag on Warner Brothers a lot because (laughs) we love DC stuff and they've screwed up DC stuff a lot. But it's crazy to me, they made Fury Road, they edited both a PG-13 and an R-rated version, 
And then after seeing the response to the R-rated version, actually had the balls to release the R-rated version and understanding that they are going to risk the box office and the and the audience and all the stuff that comes yeah. with an R rating. A lot of studios try to avoid that, but I commend them for actually doing it and and making this movie the way that it is. It's so good. It is so good. And it I was gonna bring that up too of Warner Brothers decision making on this film because it's so anti what we've become used to hearing about Warner Brothers. Yeah. Uh at least when it comes to like, God, they're so fucked up. <laughs> even with some DC projects, Warner Brothers is all for like, mm-hmm. oh no, this is your project. This is your thing. We're out of the way. Like we're not right. doing anything. Do you do you? We're cool. And then we get other DC projects that we're like super passionate about. And Warner Brothers is like, hell no, you don't do that. <laughs> Fucking. But like, they're such a bipolar company these days, but yeah, uh, yeah, them going for the R rating over the PG thirteen, shocking. Uh, and then I had to chuckle because, in, at the same time, they told Miller not to release his original version of it, which was mm-hmm. the black and chrome version or black and white. Yeah, uh, but then they told him, "Oh, we'll just release that version when we release the Blu ray. Like, we'll just do that." Mm-hmm. It won't be theatrical, but people can have it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's compromise. But yeah, this is so goofy that Warner Brothers was all for like still embracing the director's vision, right? In the long run, but they don't do that with other guys, <laughs> right? <sighs> yeah, and I love you brought up the black and chrome version. I think both are great, and you should watch both and just pick. Whatever you're in the mood for, whatever you like more. I love both of them and I love them both in different ways because I wa- I've obviously watched the original Fury Road in color and it's vivid color. It's beautiful the way it's shot. It's bright. And I've watched it a lot that way. But once it was out on black and white, I watched that and you just, it feels like a different movie. You notice yeah. different things, you notice different details. Lighting is so much more. Uh, significant and so everything about it is it's kind of like seeing it again for the first time and it's so exciting so it's definitely worth it i love that both are out there i would i would rather that than just have one either one yep. i would i would rather have both so that's all good in my opinion you brought up like the the color palette for it this was a decision by george miller that i have loved through the the original Mad Max trilogy and especially in Fury Road um being like a post-apocalyptic film or just you know this kind of genre mm-hmm. they're typically super bleak they're super like grimy and just, uh, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that right but i love his idea of like you know it's going to be really bright mm-hmm. we're going to enhance all the colors that are out there it feel when you watch Fury Road you almost feel like the heat coming yeah. off of the sand. You feel the heat coming off of the fire and the explosion. The, the movie feels so fucking hot. Yeah. Like from the get go, you're just like, Oh, I immediately feel like I'm in a desert. <laughs> this is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it feels, it feels so saturated or vivid. Like 
to the point where it almost feels green screen. It feels like a Zack Snyder movie where it feels digital, uh, extra vivid, extra enhanced. And so that's why it's so amazing that it's just primarily 80, 90% in camera, lit, like real just lighting or effects yeah. or and they just either bumped up color or bumped up whatever it's not not digital and that's why it feels so crazy like the fire and everything feels so <laughs> orange is... and bright and hot and all that stuff you <laughs> yeah, said like... but it it's legit real fire <laughs> yeah uh and that's oh my god when i pop fury road in again <laughs> dude i almost it's... didn't watch it because i was like I was running out of time. I was like, I've seen it a hundred times. I don't need to worry about it. I know the movie. I can talk about it for hours without even seeing it. I put it on because I was like just doing notes and I was like, I'll watch a couple minutes just to like, you know, refresh, get back in the state right. of mind. As soon as I watched it, I'm like, this movie is unbelievably good. <laughs> like I cannot believe every single moment is so good. And it's, it's literally is, a perfect movie. You and I, I love the moments where you and I are on like the same page throughout the whole prep time. <laughs> like, cause we, if you're new to the show, Jake and I don't really like text each other yeah. our thoughts or like notes that we're taking or observations that we're noticing when we're, we're prepping during the week. We save a lot of it for recording and it always cracks me up when we sit down and we record and you <laughs> and I are like, identical (laughs) we've been on the same page the whole time yeah i pop in fury road and i'm like all right i'll start it off like i always want to watch him eat the lizard i don't know why (laughs) but i'm always like i love watching him crunch this thing yeah and i was like i'll see him eat the lizard and then i'll go and like i'll make some coffee i'll get breakfast going kind of do a few things around the house because i i've seen it yeah yeah it's it's a movie you can watch over and over and over again yeah and Never then he eats the lizard. He has that freak out moment where he picks his bag up, throws it in the car, and the car just takes off. Yeah. And then 10 seconds later, the chase begins. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I forgot about my cup of coffee for the first few minutes. <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. Like, it just goes into gear. And I'm like, when it calms down, then I'll go and get my coffee. Yeah. And then my brain the was thing. like, it never calms down. It doesn't calm down. The yeah. opening of the movie is pretty much the calmest part of the entire two hour film. Yeah. Go get your coffee now. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, from that point, they are moving constantly. And anytime dude. they stop moving, it's like scary. And you're, you're more intense because you're not moving. Well, and even like when it's not a car chase, so like when they capture Max and he's in uh, Emoten Joe's fortress with the war boys, like that whole thing, it's still so chaotic. Right. That you're still moving. Yeah. There's still a lot going on. The like culture (laughs) is moving because they, they, um, you're seeing Emoten Joe, you're seeing all of his like, family and all this different people and they're they're about to do stuff they're about to go out on a on a war party and go to <laughs> gas town and, and the, the ammo place whatever it's called and so they're there they have plans they're moving constantly they're about to set off so you're just sucked in immediately it takes off it is loud and every time i watch it i'm always like it's one of those movies 
where certain scenes will come up and I have that memory of sitting in the theater and watching it. And I'm just always so glad <laughs> that I went and saw it in the theater. Yeah. Cause I still like when I watch it at home, obviously my TV's not the size of a theater screen, right? That would be badass. Yeah. But <laughs> the size of your house would have to be unreal. <laughs> and that's just way too much upkeep, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there are certain parts and like, one of them is in the beginning and it's him running and latching the chain onto the mm -hmm. hook. It's such a split second shot. We're like jumps going, off the cliff in order to grab yeah, the hook. him going over that cliff. I remember just being like in the theater being that looks so fucking cool. Like mm -hmm. that just, it's so cool. And why would you jump off a cliff like that? And it doesn't work <laughs> out for him, but you're still like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I love Mad Max for the Road. That like, I well, I told you earlier whether we were recording or not. I can't remember, but I sat down like I got my coffee and I was like, mm -hmm. okay, let's do our notes. Like we're good. I did notes on the other three, not very mm -hmm. many, because I just kept getting sucked into it. And I was like, <laughs> but you've got Fury Road practically memorized. Yeah, I took zero notes. <laughs> yeah, zero. Because the whole time I was just like, I was glued to it again. And it it's, <laughs> it's one of those movies where you're like, I can't look away. If I look mm -hmm. away, I, I miss a part of the chase and you don't want to miss a part of the chase. Yeah. Cause something is constantly happening. And like <laughs> I've been, and you and I have already mentioned where we've been hyper aware of stunts and films right. since prepping for last week's episode. And so watching like the first three Mad Max and being hyper aware of all the stunts in those films to which there are insane mm -hmm. stunts. And then you get to Fury Road and you're like, <laughs> this is mentally draining. Like yeah. I feel physically exhausted, just not even from the chase, but all these crazy stunts, like the war boys jumping on and off of vehicles. You got the guys on the poles, right. like, and that's the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And what am I in for? If this is the very um, beginning, it's only going to get crazier from it here. It gets crazier. I had the opposite <sighs> problem from you where I, there are so many details and that I, I knew about, but it's hard to like, if you think of Fury Road and you remember it, you're like, oh yeah, I liked it. I like this part. I like this part. But you rewatch it, there's so many details of those things that are so cool and interesting and different and mm -hmm. fascinating. Everything we talked about already about George Miller's story is so is like turn up to 11 in this movie. And so <laughs> yeah. I, I was pausing it constantly like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. I forgot about Immortan Joe's like chest of armor that is clear and like. He, oh, it's got like metals all over it yeah, as if he's, he's like some kind of colonel or something. He's like, <laughs> like, like old, sick, gross, fat guy, but he's trying to like put on this uh, appearance of strength. So he's like this like plastic see-through armor that has like a six pack and he's like supposed to look jacked on it, but it has like all these metals like he was a general or maybe that's why he rose to power in this post-apocalyptic mm -hmm. world is that he had this leadership ability and he has all of these like family, like sons and stuff, but they're mostly disfigured because uh, who knows, maybe bad genes, maybe incest, maybe whatever. And he has like this 
women or wives that are that are like breast they're being milked essentially like cattle like they're collecting yeah. milk as sustenance because they're in the desert there's not a lot of food and stuff so they're like not using it for the babies so much they're using it for these adult giant humongous guys who are using it as protein well and, so there's, and uh, there's a million things like that and i'm pausing it constantly taking these notes of damn. Oh, i forgot i forgot i forgot yeah, i i could not pause it i was like i think it's one of those movies and i'm probably always going to do this where i underestimate how much i actually enjoy the film and how much mm. how much i just let it completely suck me into that world into that story um i love i get such a kick out of in this post-apocalyptic world where traditions histories everything has pretty much gone the way of the world around these characters where it's mm -hmm. all in the wind like it's just it's dead yeah but i love that Emoten Joe has kind of brought on the, the Valhalla mm -hmm. Norse belief system. So he he's built him to me, he's built himself as a god like figure. He's right. like the savior. He gives and he like takes Thor away. Or Odin or whatever. Yeah, he you know, he's he's got the the wives that he wants to like mate with, not out mm -hmm. of love, but out of necessity to like breeding look at my children yeah and they're even called the breeders yeah which always feels gross when they call them that I'm like, yeah it ew. does yeah <laughs> they are women but damn it the whole like the war boys <sighs> watching it this week i really i was like man i i almost feel like furiosa is known for being the scene stealer in fury right. road like, and it's mostly at least they're story. on yeah and Mad Max is just, he happens to be there for the ride. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of feel like the War Boys, for me, mm -hmm. steal the show. Especially Nux, his like redemption arc, essentially. Yeah. Where he's such just... a committed bad guy, goon, uh, and then slowly becomes like a good guy. That's yeah, he, he... my favorite part, too. I don't want to say like he he kind of gets his humanity because he's still like he his biggest fault, the war boys' biggest fault is they have been brainwashed and drugged. I mean, they spray themselves yeah. to inhale these fumes. And I I was reading about it. Uh, you know, they they talk about being chrome shiny and all chrome. this. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's actually Australian slang for like inhalation abuse like huffing uh, and stuff that's what they call it and i was like oh that's interesting that kind of makes sense and it like it was this whole breakdown of the war boys are essentially constantly drugged and mm -hmm. when they do that it like it gets them even higher like yeah. it enhances the euphoria so that as they sacrifice themselves in the name of a mountain joe and go into valhalla mm -hmm. it's like they've been brainwashed so much and it it's the craziest like cult mentality for me in a film. Cause it doesn't scare me in fury road. <laughs> um, but it's like, I look at it from the aspect of, especially with Nux kind of coming out of it. Yeah. And being like, that's how it's like, he's going through the shit. He's totally in it. 
Mm-hmm. And then he's slowly, the farther away from a mountain Joe that he gets, the farther out of this mentality that he goes, yeah. um, he still sacrifices himself, which kind of sucks, but his sacrifice is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but the war boys, they're like, they're, I get sucked into just watching these guys lose their shit throughout <laughs> the film. They're insane. Yeah. They're absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. And I love their energy i love the action i love their like you said their kind of their commitment to joe and and to finding that glory on the fury road and to be able to enter valhalla and all that stuff and when i always assumed when they like spray that paint on stuff in their mouth um that you are there there's a there's a drug effect like obviously if you're huffing paint you're doing that um and so that always seemed like and that's always a thing that kind of happens in a lot of like ritualistic things like that. There's always some, oftentimes some sort of like hallucinogenic or or drug aspect to it. So that makes a lot of sense, but yeah, their whole style there. I I always love what at the very beginning when they need to like go out on this uh, mission, they have to, they go and get the steering wheels and the steering wheels are all like in this pile. It's like a, like a, an altar kind of there's also kind of like an armory where everybody has to go in and grab a steering wheel and then they can go get in their cars it's like if you have to go to an armory and everybody gets like a gun or something it's the the cars are the thing that are the most important that they have to like keep locked up it's so crazy yeah the the vehicles are their weapons they're the not just a weapon but it's their passage to valhalla essentially like um if if that's where they're actually going. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um yeah, it's I love I love that they call themselves like half-lives and then the blood bags mm. are like the full life people. I love how they tattoo the back of Max explaining, yeah. hey, he's a universal donor. He's like, we can use him when we mm. need blood. Watching the blood transfusions in Fury Road. Yeah. It's one of the few times in a movie where every time you watch it, you're like, ew. Ew. <laughs> just, you this... have big time tetanus right now, bro. <laughs> yeah, this feels like you are just asking for every disease there <laughs> possibly is or ever yeah. will be. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. so gross. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I, mean... I, I love how the whole witness me thing that was yeah. like kind of a, especially a meme when it first came out, but it, I think it's still it's so cool. And then I didn't know. So, you know how they do this like hand thing above their, like yeah. their head. With the well, fingers. it's for the V8. I never knew that until this week. I was like, yeah. Oh my God, there's V there's eight things. It's like a V8 engine. That's brilliant. I can't believe that. I didn't get that. I thought it was just like a, like a thing. Well, it, it serves as both like the V8, like a symbol for that, but it, yeah. it, it's Valhalla as well. Like, cause it makes the V. So uh, that's their passage into uh, Valhalla. Okay. Uh, or like a, a symbol of passageway to Valhalla. Uh, yeah. The witness, the witness me, like I'm always torn by it because it's so, it, it it's an intense concept for these war boys to look at each other and, and tell them like, Hey, witness me. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I'm about to die. Please witness me. Yeah. And then they they respond with mediocre. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. But <laughs> it's such a like weird thing for me to watch. Because at one point, I'm like, 
man, they're like, they're giving their lives up for this guy Mm -hmm. who's kind of an ugly piece of shit. By the way, fun fact, Mountain Joe is played by the same actor who played Toe Cutter in the very first Mad Max film. Yeah. It's what that I love Double that villain. little tidbit that he got to play the two best baddies yeah. in the Mad Max series. I, I think that's great. I, I think like you're forgetting about both. Humongous, but that's fine. Dude, Humongous is great. But you gotta <laughs> get away from just the Jack dude, okay? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm I'm beginning to suspect that you don't <laughs> hate the assless chaps. Humongous doesn't wear assless chaps. Wes does. True. True. Wes does. The fact that I Thank know that doesn't correction. help. Uh, uh, <laughs> the fact uh, that I know that doesn't necessarily help my case. Uh, you know who's cool? Furiosa. She's a girl. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and Furiosa is really cool. And I think that's one of the key takeaways. Is, is just badass. Dude. That whole character. She has so much depth. There. Uh, she got a lot of praise or George Miller or whoever um, that this movie got a lot of praise for Furiosa and a strong female character like that. Mm-hmm. But th- all of George Miller's Mad Max movies have had that kind of leading up to it. So um, the warrior woman in road warrior um, Tina Turner's character is, even though I'm not a Tina Turner fan, I think that character is very well-rounded and, deep and interesting and then the i'm blanking on the girl savannah something the girl from the oasis she is also kind of in the same vein i think of a tapestry of strong women that kind of lead up to furiosa and furiosa much like fury road is the most perfect version of all of those other things combined i think yeah and charlie's there on her just makeup, her lack of an arm, her whole, whole, whole everything, her attitude and everything. She's so cool. The makeup. You can just see a picture yeah. of Furiosa with like the black makeup. And immediately you're like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. She means but like, don't mess with her. Yeah. Just don't fuck Sh- with her. Shaved head, back makeup. I get it. Yeah. One of my favorite things they did with that character, though, was it it's true what you said. Fury Road is her story. She's the hero. She's trying to save the wives. Yeah. Um, But I love how the setup for you as the audience to know what she's doing. There is no lead up. Mm -hmm. It's literally... She's driving the tanker. You understand immediately, like, she's the one. She mm-hmm. does these missions. She's the badass. She's got a, a prosthetic robotic arm. She's lost an arm for a mountain Joe. Like, right. you understand this stuff. And all these other, and, like, henchmen that are on the party with her are just, like, taking orders. They're like, hey, we're not going the right way. She's like, we're going this way. I'm like, okay, we're going this way, everybody. Yeah, just like, so you understand she's high up. She yeah. is, she's a, a right hand kind of person. Yeah. But I love that she immediately, like your introduction to her is her going against Mountain Joe, like just turning off of the road. Yeah. We're not going to Gastown. Yeah. Nope, we're going East. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
and you learn through this whole chase like oh shit she's been plotting to mm-hmm. rescue these women and she gets a lot of credit for being like you said the strong female character and she deserves that because she is one of the strongest female characters we've gotten mm-hmm. but those wives yeah are not weak no not at they, all like they are badasses yeah. <laughs> and one of them's pregnant and an easy thing to miss <laughs> is Joe has a conversation with the old lady when he first finds out they're gone and she's like uh Furiosa stole them and she's like no they asked Furiosa to help her like help them <laughs> escape like they wanted to leave you yeah. and they they were just fed up with your shit and that's why they like painted on the ground like our children will not be warlords and all this stuff and so yeah they're that group which are mostly models but they're all also badasses um are really cool also part like pregnant partly and <laughs> and which is makes it even more difficult to escape but still going for it and it, it really is a cool part yeah so i i think honestly people people tend to overlook these things i mean i'm guilty of doing that too mm-hmm. but rewatching it, it was like very telling of me of like oh no Charlize Theron is not the only strong female of this film yeah she's just her name's on like the title card Mm -hmm. like (laughs) the others are not so she's gonna take the cake but I'm like man these women Mm -hmm. they don't shy away they're on the they're in this fight they understand Mm -hmm. if shit goes well not if when shit goes sideways they're going to be expected to like pick up a weapon they're yeah. going to be expected to do whatever it takes to survive because if everyone else is doing it mm-hmm. for their sake they damn well do it too and <laughs> i like that mentality i'm okay with yeah. that mentality yeah i was watching i was like <laughs> this is a very feminist movie like every woman in this movie is a good guy and every man in the movie is not a good guy with the exception of max and nux which they're gray area good guys they're not really good but right they're they're better than the rest of them are really bad so you kind of <laughs> get mean, the idea moton joe is pretty terrible he's a gross gross villain so gross but he's so gross dude. he's so gross <laughs> <laughs> like it's just nasty to look at him yeah and that's even when it's just his back all boiled and pale and you're like yeah ew <laughs> <laughs> ew yeah but, it's not even saying like morally i know yeah that's before you you under or learn that he's got these wives that he uses for breeding and he's yeah. milking them and ugh. yeah but i love how max gets mixed up into all of this because uh, it fit it's exactly like he does in the others mm-hmm. where wrong place right time i say right time because like he kind of had like he helps he ends yeah. up even if he doesn't really want to at first but mm-hmm. he's going to because he realizes you know like all yeah. right just like the other movies he they probably wouldn't have been successful if he wasn't there <laughs> right and he he's pretty blunt about it he's pretty yeah. like you're gonna need me to do this mm-hmm. hate to break it to you but i do like he has to have that happen to him with nux where nux is telling him like I'm going to have to drive the rig. You're going to need me to drive the rig. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> I, I love the whole like setup with Max. 
and Nux telling him like, "Hey, just bring my blood bag with me," which is Max. Yeah, like we'll just tie him to the front of the car, and that's how Max gets mixed up in this giant race. I think it's one of the best. He's not guilted into it. He's not mm. like there's no deal made for him. He's literally just dragged along and tied up. He's got, yeah. I love that he spends the first while of this race just watching, watching. all this shit happen around him that yeah. he can't do anything about and having no understanding of anything happening <laughs> around him. <laughs> what? I love that. <laughs> and I think Tom Hardy does a really good job of kind of showing you that, like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think... I, that's a good point. I really like Tom Hardy as Max. Yeah. I think that he is a good replacement for Mel Gibson. I think it, it translates easily. Um, Max in general, I, I love more in Fury Road because, like I said, you get an insight into his psyche more mm -hmm. where the Mel Gibson Mad Max, there's nothing wrong with him. He's great, but it's all visual open interpretation you see like just his face or his tics and he doesn't say a lot doesn't have a lot of dialogue where tom hardy also doesn't have too much dialogue but he has some narration that gives you an insight like yeah you're legit mad you're crazy dude <laughs> right. <laughs> you lost it you're tormented by these past people or experiences or failures and i love that and i think uh tom hardy plays it so well it's it's yeah. he has a lot of great roles, but this is among his best. It, it, it's one of my favorites of his. Uh, I thought it was cool that he did get like Mel Gibson's blessing to take over the role. Mm. I, I read a fun thing with uh, George Miller watching the premiere of Fury Road with Gibson next to him oh, nice. and bragging about like while watching it, Gibson's jabbing him in the ribs and like chuckling, but not in a like a mean chuckle, but yeah. in a chuckle of like that's awesome how the fuck did you film this how the <laughs> fuck did you pull that one off this looks great and i'm like that's that's got to speak to like that kind of friendship and i know a lot of really great friendships or relationships have that moment where you can experience something together that the other person has made mm -hmm. or had any part in and you guys can share that kind of like oh my god that shared like yeah love for it and kind of just appreciation of it i think that's cool that mel gibson not only as the original Max, but also a one of one of the best directors. Like right. Mel Gibson as a director is amazing. Yeah. Mel Gibson as an actor is pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so to have that guy having all of this under his belt, like giving props to George Miller, mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. And George Miller talked about like it was really neat having Mel Gibson kind of give him these props and give him these like surprising reactions nothing negative just simple like how do you pull this off and you know what you watch fury road and there's plenty of that movie where i think <laughs> how the hell did you pull this off yeah especially <laughs> when you find out how little is cgi you're like i can't Seriously? You really did that you really flipped those trucks you really you made all of these vehicles practically like these are legit cars that you built to make function that worked for the most part until they didn't yep. have to anymore they got blown <laughs> up or whatever um but you they're done in very creative ways and morton morton joe's my favorite one where it's like two stacked cars and both of those engines are like hooked together so it's like twice as powerful it's insane 
It's such a tall car for such a large human. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big guy. You know, Fury Road, I'm going to give the CGI credit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole scene where they go into that giant storm. Yeah. Holy shit. I'm watching it this earlier, right? And I'm like, this might be one of the most stunning, <laughs> like, scenes. Mm-hmm. The cinematography in Fury Road. Yeah, it's a huge action film, but the cinematography is mind blowing in this yeah. movie. Like, just oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> and that is definitely one of the most in, un, incredible scenes. That is unbelievably shot and unbelievably brilliant and scary. Where you're like, okay, if only twenty, ten to twenty percent of this movie is CGI. <laughs> This scene is most of it, probably, because right, I, right. I don't, I doubt you drove into a giant tornado hurricane in the middle of the <laughs> desert. So it looks amazing, but that has to be at least a lot it, of CGI. It looks amazing. Like, it's so incredible. I found myself thinking while watching, it, I was like, it, it's a pretty destructive scene, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the lighting and just the way that it's shot. I was like, man, this is a, it's such an intense sequence, but it's so disturbingly beautiful to look at. It was one of those scenes where I was like, I kind of want to find a screenshot of it Mm -hmm. and like, just have the screenshot of that. Yeah. I just, it's so, it looks so cool. And then on top of that, then you get like any time during the desert chasing, like when they're crashing, when you got the guys on the poles coming down, yeah, those, those shots over the people mm-hmm. on the poles where they're like dropping down. Holy shit. I, yeah. It was funny. You, you would have thought that I had just watched the movie for the first time this week. And I'm like, I <laughs> promise I've seen it a hundred times, but yeah, it's always incredible. And yeah, there's those wide shots of all these different vehicles and the dirt coming up behind them and 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 they're all so different. And then that guy wailing on a guitar <laughs> on the front of that vehicle with flames coming out of the neck of his guitar. And you're like, at that point, when you have these giant speakers going on and they're attached <laughs> to the vehicle as well, he's just the bard and going into battle. You're like, this movie is unbelievably cool. It's unbelievable. So I know like when we were talking about Thunderdome, I made the joke or the crack about like, oh, when they have musicians guest star, they're always yeah. going to sing their song or play their, their songs or whatever. It works in Fury Road. Mm-hmm. And it works for a very two very specific reasons. One, it makes sense. Like this guitar player just kind of fits in like Emoton Joe's. Yeah. He's not shoehorned in. He just, yeah, he, he, they would do for some weird reason that you can't really pinpoint. Mm -hmm. You're like, yeah, I get it. (laughs) I I get this. But my favorite thing about the guy playing the guitar, it's part of the actual soundtrack. Like it, it's not just the music of the film, but he's actually playing the chase sequence. And it's like, it serves so much to it. (laughs) It may, it adds so much more emotion and just, Mm-hmm. Uh, like oh, I just lost the word. God damn it! Fuck you, eleven percent. Feeling <laughs> that beer now. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the whole soundtrack. Uh, I believe Junkie XL did it, and he's always it's incredible. So, but the good. whole soundtrack is so good. And that guitar playing is like 
every time he pulls on the I mean, the whammy bar actually controlled the flamethrower that's on it. <laughs> but every time that he pulls on the, like, the strings and gets those higher notes and stuff, I'm mm-hmm. like, it just it fits what you're watching. And so it's kind of well. on like bungee cords, like trying to jump off the front of the car and being yeah. pulled back. Just the energy <laughs> of the whole scene. That's, that's and, one and already, tiny piece of it. By the time he shows up, I mean, you're already halfway through the chase scene. Yeah. And now you've got this live guitar player just wailing away with a flamethrower attached to the guitar. And you're yeah. like, this is so intense. This makes I'm already tired. <laughs> yeah. But I just I, like the one thing that just, I mean, Fury Road is incredible all around. I really mm. genuinely love Fury Road so much, but I just, I'm so blown away and just like in awe. Mm-hmm. Of the cinematography of that movie, the way that George Miller shot that film is just mm-hmm. so like, it, it's incredible to me. And just all the decision makings, all those like transitions into the chase, out of the chase, mm-hmm. into the truck, into like one of the cars blowing up, having mm-hmm. the camera go back through an explosion. I'm like, the movie is just mind fucking. Yeah. <laughs> and- like, and I think a lot of that is the editing. The editing is so good. The editing and is unreal. <laughs> I, I I knew that Margaret Sixel, his wife, George Miller's wife, edited it. But I didn't know that she'd never edited an action movie before this. Mm-hmm. And so she took all of this footage that he shot and made this movie, having never edited an action movie before, and came up with this. Like, are you joking me? I know. And I think it's like they, the Fury Road's the first Mad Max movie to get like a bunch of awesome, like award mm-hmm. season uh, prestige, which is a big deal. And obviously it deserves it because it is the perfect version of it. But to do something for the first time and to <laughs> nail it that hard is incredible to me. It's incredible. I just, the movie blows me away. And I found myself so like, it's one of those movies where I being sucked into it, it kind of hit me different this week. And I, I don't know if it was just knowing that we're about to take an extended break. And that's like I said at the start, it's a little bittersweet, but it it's mm-hmm. all good. It's all good. But I was like, when that final sequence of this movie came up, you know, you got Furiosa's trying to drive. She gets stabbed in the side, which is one of the like, that's an intense part. Because mm-hmm. you honestly, as a viewer, you're like, I don't know if anyone's going to survive this yeah. movie. Like, yeah. And especially <laughs> her, you're like, if anybody survives, it's probably Max. He's always survived so far, right. but she's brand new. She could die at any she time. Could, she could die at any moment. Uh, probably not early, but like, yeah, they could kill her off. Luckily, mm-hmm. they don't. But, the whole, like, from her being stabbed on is just some of the most intense, like, emotionally intense action sequences because that's when, like, Nux is really kicking into he's no longer a part of the the emotent cult, if you will. Yeah. He's really kind of stepped away. You've got the wives that are, like, they're trying to survive. They've lost one at this point, which is, right. like crazy intense and then you get the real gross part where Moton's telling the 
not doctor, but one of his henchmen <laughs> to cut the baby out. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. You see him hold the foot and you're like, this is like, this is crazy disturbing right now. Yeah. There's no blood. Crazy fucking disturbing. Though. Right. <laughs> like, what the fuck? But when like when they have to go back through, I I love how the whole chase is just a giant horseshoe. Right. <laughs> yeah, you you are banking horseshoe. so hard on them getting to their destination, <laughs> and they get there, and there's not really anything there, and they have to go back, and you're like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> right. you're doing it again. You get like We're a, a brief again. break with like where you get to catch your breath a little bit, and then they turn around and go back. And, and but the the journey back is like higher stakes now mm -hmm. because you know what they're about to face. It's no longer them chasing them. Now it's like, oh no, they're coming right at you at this point. Like yeah. this is this is bad. And not only is it a Mountain Joe's whole group, but now you got that like that other desert clan. I forget what yeah. they're called. But well, there you got like the leader of the uh, bullet farm and the gas town guy, and yeah. they all like like team up. <laughs> And you've got everyone coming at you now. Like, yeah. they're no longer behind you. They're all going to be in front of you. You're going to have to make your way through it. Just, oh, it's so intense. But the part that really, like, kind of got to me, because it's just so, it's, it's such a cool scene. Like, visually incredible, mm -hmm. is how they shot that whole last sequence of Nux getting behind the wheel of the rig. And they're going back through... Um, was it the ammo, like the desert area with the big old arch in it in the yeah. rocks and like they're detaching. It's, Oh my God. <laughs> you see a mountain Joe's son, they kill him. A mountain Joe's death. Yeah. It's so brutal and gross for being an off screen kill. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's something I think George Miller yeah. does a lot. Like we've mentioned <laughs> the other movies have, have violence but a lot of it's off screen and this is yeah. one, of the, one of the big ones for sure but you get the point yeah so quick when you when his mask gets ripped off and you're like that probably didn't just take the mask that, that had to have like oh he's limp yeah he's dead this is <laughs> if they show him he's gross and it is yeah it's pretty it's like the bloody version of the ring but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i love nux in this like final sequence, not dude, I love that character. And it, it hit me this time. Not like, Oh, but just mm -hmm. that, like he does the witnessing again, but it's no longer for Valhalla or validation to get into Valhalla. It's no longer for like, uh, I'm just a part of a mountain Joe's whatever yeah. he's, when he does a witness me part, it's more to me. It really felt like, kind of hoping for validation and your redemption. Right. And that's like, a, to me, I'm like, man, that's, that's a pretty, yeah, that's a powerful thing. Cause I think that's something everyone strives for is like, can give me validation that I'm doing something right. 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 And that you, <laughs> that it's not too late that you, you made this yeah. mistake to follow this guy and he wasn't everything you thought he was. He's ended up just being a dude that, you know, was a dick that it's not too late you can still redeem yourself and yeah and that there was there wasn't the glory you thought you would find on the fury road but you did find glory in the sense that you saved these women and you saved these people that needed the needed saving basically 
yeah, and the the ultimate sacrifice, you know, him him pulling the rig and crashing everything. I I love watching the brother like get mm-hmm. thrown into the ground. It's so quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a lot of people might miss it. I don't even know if I noticed it the first couple times I watched the movie, but when they do that wide shot where they pull back when Nux pulls the rig and like tips it all, you can see the brother's body just like head first into the dirt before the, <laughs> the vehicle falls on him. It's like, it's such a split second, but when I saw it again to, or this week, I was like, yes. It's, <laughs> it's so, I don't know why, because that the big beefed up brother, yeah. or son, he doesn't do a lot in the movie. Yeah, He doesn't do a lot. He drinks some milk, mm-hmm. which is creepy to watch him drink milk. It just mm-hmm. is, folks. It just is. <laughs> he's like he gets in the way he's like that annoying guy that just never goes away in an action movie where you're like yeah. you just fuck off already well do you get he's the idea that, that he he's big he's strong he should be the heir of joe yeah but he just kind of follows joe around he's like hey dad can we go do this can i help can i do anything and he's like no fuck off <laughs> get out of here <laughs> you're a nuisance yeah uh so when he finally died, like, I love watching him just eat dirt. It's for some reason, it's so satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. But th- I love that whole sequence. Just like, honestly, credits could have rolled there. Yeah. And I still would have thought, like, what a great ending. What a great, <laughs> just this is so good. What an amazing film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do love, like, all the little nods to the old Mad Max trilogy because there are several and i think this treats the requel mentality really well Mm -hmm. where it still has so much respect for where it came from obviously because it's george miller himself doing this himself it doesn't Uh, feel so much like hey look at this thing that you remember it feels more like here's this thing that i love that i have been trying to make and perfect over time mm -hmm. And getting closer and closer every time, and I, and and this is the movie where he's the closest so far. I, I feel yeah. like he succeeded, but he may disagree. Um, right, but yeah. But that's it, what I mean, if this is the last one he ever makes, like that's a good note to go on. I think so. It's a pretty amazing film. Yeah, but I, there are nods. We brought up like the shotgun from earlier. Mm-hmm. They do that again in this one. It's super fast. So, like, if you haven't seen Road Warrior and you see it in this one, you just think, like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. If you have seen Road Warrior and you watch it happen in this one, you're like, nice. He does the <laughs> grunting. He does, like, there's just all these little things. He wears the same coat mm-hmm. that Mel Gibson wore. Well, it's it's a replica, but it's the same design as Style. the coat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the car? It's the car. Yeah, the car from the beginning. <laughs> the car that wasn't in Thunderdome, which is another downside of Thunderdome. Yeah. yeah. But... Uh, yeah, the the fact that they have it again in this one is very exciting. And it is when you see it at the beginning, you're like, to fuck. Yeah, you're like, this is awesome, and then it takes <laughs> yeah. off and crashes it immediately, but it's still yeah, awesome. No, no. But but it's like that. I like it when fan service is done right. Luckily, we've had a handful that do this yeah. really well. Uh, oh my god, Fury Road! Just like there's so much in it, mm-hmm. and. But the the biggest takeaways to me about Fury Road is just obviously the cinematography of it is unreal. Yeah. But the stunt work is just like mm-hmm. that's it's on a whole different level. It's on a whole like it's in its own category. 
Right. There's like it's like movie stunts. The Olympics of stunt work. It's, it's like not not even the Olympics because I feel like the Olympics has lost a lot of traction these days. It's true. It's uh, like the Oscars. Yeah, it used to be cool. Was no, I, I well, <laughs> when I was a kid, it was cool. True, true. But, but I totally know what you mean. Yeah, I, I it's focus in a, a lot. Whole different. I focus a lot on the stunt works and cinematography, like you said. I also just love. This is the most perfect version of the weird lore that George Miller has put together. Yeah. And 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 the society and the people and the culture and the the names and the everything about it. The different like silos of work where Joe Joe seems to control like the water and he has like these plants and stuff that he grows vegetation. And then there's a whole nother town that does all they do is gasoline, and there's a whole nother town all they do is ammunition. And just all the society that they've made is so specific and unique to this like apocalyptic genre, which can be so general. And I think that's why it's refreshing to have a specific vision for it. Yeah. And I really like that they had it kind of sanctioned off of like, yeah, this is the ammo, whether it's like, I don't take the ammo, whatever that ammo town or whatever, Mm-hmm. As like just ammunition for firearms. Although obviously they're going to have that because there's more guns in this one, I feel, than there have been in at least yeah. the previous two. But I also feel like they would carry car parts. They would carry, because vehicles are viewed as almost like your mm-hmm. armory and your weapons, yeah. uh, filled with all these other kinds of weapons. You know, I imagine crossbows are probably still in there. Yeah. And, yeah, I, and I like there's that. not a significant difference between how a gun works and a car works. I mean, they both are machines that operate off of yeah. combustion and and ammunition and engines. They're very similar. So I could totally see that. And, and I love that the lore of like currency isn't really a thing, but you still have to be able to purchase your goods, but it's all bartering. So mm-hmm. I like that it, it's back to the old way of doing things because History lesson, folks, that's how we used to do things a long, <laughs> long time ago. Was Don't worry, you'll learn about it soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> History repeats itself. You, Fuck! You see, um, you see a guy with a neck brace and a ski mask, that'll be me. I'll be out there. <laughs> fucking shit but, up. But don't worry, he won't be super jacked. Oh. No, it's true. Oh. I'm like, <laughs> I need to get Jack like ASAP. But, but I like that it... it it still maintained that and it's almost like barter town. Yeah. Like expanded or the mentality of that expanded because right. as flawed as barter town was in Thunderdome, the principle or the idea of it mm-hmm. still worked. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> and I feel like that's, sense. that is the case for <laughs> all of the movies. There are things in it that are great. There are things of it that could be improved. And it's all rolled up into Fury Road to make it just the perfect version of it. Yeah. It's just, oh my God. It's so good. I fucking love Fury Road. It's (laughs) mind-blowing. Like, when I hear people say they don't like Fury Road, and I know Mm. there's a bunch of you out there. (laughs) Why? Yeah. Um, I I legit, it's one of those movies I legitimately don't understand how people can't enjoy. Yeah. I think that it's, the, the, the only thing I would understand is there are parts of it that are gross, like the people and the things and the content. 
some people are not into that and i get that it is a uniquely gross movie in several ways <laughs> but for me i think it's cool <laughs> it feels you and i and anybody who's a realist if you're in an apocalypse there's <laughs> going to be a lot of gross people doing gross like, things you got to keep an eye out it's not going to be a good times i i can't believe i never really put the western mentality like mm-hmm. thought about that with mad max until you brought it up and mm-hmm. like this whole week in our western episode long time ago folks go listen to it it's a good one yeah um you and i talked a lot about like some of our favorite westerns are the ones that feel gross they feel dirty they feel gritty you feel like you're in that time you're not just watching a film but you actually kind of feel it yeah fury road i mean i brought it up earlier where like it feels hot it feels like you're in a desert but as the movie progresses it feels like you have gotten dirty Mm -hmm. with everybody you feel like everyone's sweating their asses off everyone's (laughs) collecting dirt for two hours and you're like i when it when credits roll you're like I kind of feel like I should shower. I feel right. like I feel like if I did that with my hair, <laughs> like sand is going to fly out. <laughs> yeah. You feel like, <laughs> like you were there. You do. And that is so telling. I, mm. I oh my god, it's so good. You had all these notes and I feel like I <laughs> No, I feel said like we more covered than you. It. That was pretty much I mean that you you covered a good amount, I covered a good amount. We we could if we wanted to talk about Fear Road forever, but that's all of the high points, I think. We probably could. Did you have any notes that we did not touch on that you wanted to, Jake? I I kind of stole your your point. I'm sorry. I don't think so. I feel like I talked enough, more than enough, probably. We can talk about seals some more if you want to. Oh man, we we do not need to talk talk about seals. (laughs) (laughs) He was cooler when he was still married to Heidi Klum. That's kind of a bummer for him, but yeah, you know, I Batman Forever. I didn't mean we actually actually don't have to talk about it. Right? Was it Batman Forever or is that? I thought it was Batman and Robin. Or did he do that song for Batman and Robin? Which one was it? I thought it was Batman and Robin. Hold on. Fact check. Live fact check. Oh my God. It's Forever. You're right. Okay. You're right. So that came out in like 95. God, we were. We didn't even know who the fuck Seal was in 95. Speak for yourself, my friend. Oh, shut the fuck up. You didn't know who he was. <laughs> no, I didn't learn about it until like 2006, <laughs> probably. That's what I thought. In high school. And then was it was like, already a giant joke. Yeah. In high school, I was like, this is kind of a banger of a song. Oh, this is from Batman Forever? What? Isn't that your favorite Batman movie of all time, Jake? I never said that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> putting words in my mouth. It's his all-time favorite, guys. Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition is my favorite, for the record. <laughs> for the record. For the record. <laughs> Just want that to be clear. I was being sarcastic. <laughs> Before it gets out into the zeitgeist that people think that. Dude, I'm... I'm going to have to come up with some kind of shit talking thing for you and, and seal uh, <laughs> and Batman forever. Good luck. I'm going to talk about how you're dude. This, who's that chick we, we have, were talking about. So many. Different... <laughs> it's been a fun. Episode. Listen to rolling in the deep. If you listen to rolling in the deep, you're going to be like, Oh, I know the like I old song, is. like rolling, rolling. You know that's Tina Turner. In the river. That's rolling in yeah, the deep. Yeah, that's Tina Turner. 
No, oh, that's Rolling in the Deep. Isn't that Rolling in the Deep by Adele? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just sang the song that I was making fun of when we were talking about Tina Turner and Thunderdome. Okay, well, it all came back around. <laughs> What's old is new again. Man, I'm trying to figure out, like, I mean, I managed to, like, segue <laughs> to my daughter making fun of me for being an old man, to the mm-hmm. office, to, well, you you segued into Seal from Batman Forever. Yeah. Adele. Covered a lot in this episode. Oh, my God. We have. We have ADHD'd the shit out of this episode, man. We had a, a lot of thoughts to get out before we take a break. So <laughs> I thought it was fun. this was a blast. This is so good. All right. Oh, I man. think that's about it. I think that's about it. Uh, let us know anything we missed, anything you were curious about or like or dislike about Mad Max. Hit us up on Facebook and Instagram. We're always happy to talk about it. Um, if you bring it up, we will we will go on and on about it if you want yeah. to. So I do. I just remembered there was one funny, silly thing that I was like, hmm. that'll be a fun tidbit to bring up. Okay. So uh, like cake bakery stuff. I forget the name of the company, but they have like yeah, yeah. A, a silver spray. To, it's edible. You can put it on cakes. Yeah. They have like no sales. Fury Road came out and became like directly responsible for this company constantly selling units. Like it was a huge sales spike. I remember which that. I was like, that's awesome for these companies making this like edible spray. Mm-hmm. What the fuck does that say <laughs> about people? <laughs> yeah. I remember Halloween right after this came out. Every scrawny guy like me put on like a bald cap and spray painted their mouth silver and then went as war boys. And it was everybody like was a war boy. A thing. Yeah. That's hilarious. I just thought that was funny. I mean, the movie directly helped this company like just boost sales, but people. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's edible. That was my last two bit. Uh, thank you, everybody. We appreciate it. Make sure you go and buy your shit because we're going to be taking it yeah. away pretty soon to check, update Check out everything. our merch. It's at the, if you can find it at moviebonners.com, there's a tab or a button or whatever it's called. Also on Facebook and Instagram, link in the bio. There's uh, yeah. all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, tell us your like favorite Mad Max stuff. Tell us uh, how awesome you think Tina Turner is in Thunderdome. <laughs> Would you survive the Thunderdome? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you in a while. Yeah, wow, that feels weird to say. Find us. On, um, we'll let you know on Facebook and Instagram when we're coming back, or yep. if you're subscribed wherever Spotify, wherever you'll be notified. Just look, yeah, keep, yeah. Keep a lookout. We'll be back. Sanjay, congratulations on all that because he's going to be a dad pretty soon. So send Dustin congratulations. He's been a dad for a very long time because he's an yeah. old man. Apparently, she's gonna be thirteen, man. That's, That's crazy, fucking weird, fucking weird. You knew me before I was even a dad. Yep, yep, man. Long time, long time. Well, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for everything, and we will see you later next time. Yep, so see you. <laughs>